fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs> $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now, wait a second, wait a second. There are two ways to deal with this problem. You're either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Brody? Welcome back to the Film Real Cast, episode number 10. Boy, have we got a film for you. One of the first summer, well, the first summer blockbuster, um, if you're looking at it. And to celebrate the lovely weather, to celebrate the fact that it's episode 10, I'm here with Nim and Stu, but not Graham. Uh, I'll let Stu talk to you about that, to talk about Jaws. Hello, guys. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm very good. Nim. Hello, guys. Hello. And then you're full of energy. I can feel your energy again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking quite passionately about about 45 seconds ago, and I don't I don't know what's happened to Nim since I pressed the record button. Nim, <laughs> uh, it, it just makes me freeze. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're here. At least you're here. At least the three of us are here once again over Skype. I don't know what happened to Graham. Well, Graham, apparently, the message I got from Graham is that he's helping move some kind of kitchen furniture, but it happens to be in a pub up central London. So uh, I'm not too sure why that is with a girlfriend. So I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, uh, you can email us to what pub you think Graham is actually in and what he's actually doing. And uh, I'll probably agree with whatever emails we get, to be honest. So email us at thefilmrealcast at gmail.com. Wow. There you go, there you go. So, guys, Jaws, Stu, um, since you're the, once again, I have made notes for the first time ever, once again, well Stu, you're the only one that's organised about this. I think you're the only one that has access to a synopsis. I know, I know, and the pressure's on me to uh, get the synopsis right. Okay, it's a hot summer on Amity Island, a small community whose business is to rely on the beaches. A new sheriff, Martin Brody, discovers the remains of a shark attack victim. His first inclination is to close the beaches to swimmers. This doesn't sit well with Mayor Larry Vaughan and several other local businessmen. Brody tracks down to his regret as the weekend goes on the young boy who's killed by the predator. 
The boy's dead mother puts a bounty on the shark, and Amity is soon swarmed by amateur hunters and fishermen hoping to cash in on the reward. A local fisherman with much experience in hunting sharks, Quinn, offers to hunt the shark down for a hefty fee. Soon Quinn Brody and Matt Hooper from the Oceanographic Institute are at sea hunting for the great white shark, and their journey continues, and the adventure continues. And that's it. I mean, this is, a uh, for me... I just want to say from the start, 1975, this film, apart from maybe the hairstyles and the, the outfits that people are wearing, this film just hasn't aged at all, as in the special effects and the suspense that it brought when I watched it. it I still feel the same when I watched it as a young boy, when I was far too young to should be watching a film like this. The, the lasting memories and the fears that it gave me of going out into the sea still stay with me now when I'm out in the sea swimming, getting out of my depth, looking around, I still get that panic attack of something could be near me. And it makes me, and the fear is great, great enough for me to want to swim back, have a little girly scream and swim back to the shore again and get out of the sea. And it is down to watching Jaws as a youngster. What about yourself, guys? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think Jaws kind of shaped my fear as a, as a kid. And again, probably watching it when I was too young to watch it. But you're, one thing that you mentioned, it has an age. I haven't seen this film for a long time. Um, and I was surprised by how with it it is, like in keeping with time, even now, it, it, it the, the kind of little jokes and the, and the way that it's shot, um, all of those kind of things, it doesn't seem like it's a 70s film at all, bar, you know, like say the funny haircuts and stuff. Um, and, you know, great. I remember the first time I watched this, I mean, this absolutely scared the shit out of me. And yeah. we used to, me and my brother used to actually, um, all three of us, my brother and my sister, all three of us were absolutely shit scared of the sea. And the reason is, is because of Jaws. Because when my sister was in the bathtub, we would, through the door, make the turning, turning, turning <laughs> noise. And yeah. she would be screaming in the bathtub and we'd get a good old rollicking from my mum and dad. Um, but, even now, I, like you say, if, if when I can't swim for a start, and I, I think I'd like to blame Jaws for that, because I used to be scared going in a swimming pool, um, let alone the sea as a kid. And now that I do go in the sea with a life jacket on and, and people take the piss out of me when I'm bobbing up and down, um, I'm still scared. If, you know, when you can't see past, you know, past that kind of, you know, you look into the water and you can't see past the, the, the two metre range or whatever it is. You, you just have flashbacks of Jaws, and that is a crazy thing for Jaws, a, a movie, to have such an impact. Um, and I, I, you know, there's a lot of people I reckon that are in our kind of boat that of this film is, yeah, created I should, a yeah. fear. It, I should imagine fear. anyone from the age of thirty onwards, um, maybe a little bit younger, who would suffer from the same fear. And you could probably, if you really sat down and spoke to him to break it down, it would be due to watching. Jaws and the effect it had on you and I think that says a hell of a lot about a film that a film where you don't see the shark that much and we'll go into everything later on but it can install that constant fear that you'll carry with you for for decades it's, it's incredible really that a film like this can do that yeah because you look at other films you look at feel you know anything else I mean I can't think of another film that has kind of installed that fear in me I mean things like um you know, Friday the 13th or um, Nightmare on Elm Street. They were like kind of big films of the 80s type of things, scary movies. 
they don't they don't come anywhere close to the fear that Jaws puts into you. And that's it, and Jaws is not even a horror film, really, is it? No, it's more of a kind of a thriller, isn't it? Really, yeah. A bit what of a thriller you? and dark comedy. What about you, James? Are you scared? No, of I shark? think you guys hit. Yeah, I am. You guys hit the nail on the head. It it plays upon this primal fear, almost of the unknown. We don't, you know, as human beings, we don't actually know that much about the sea. I mean, scientists say we probably know. We've explored almost more of space in terms of what we know about it than we know about, you know, the, the deep sea. And when we go into the sea. I'm completely with you guys. When I can't see the bottom, even though I can, I'm still walking or when I'm wading and I cannot see the bottom, I do not know what's around me. That's scary. And it got to the point where when I went to swimming pools when I was little, I would still be scared of jaws, even though it absolutely made no sense. Especially when you've got those old swimming pools that get deep, you know, that have suddenly have that dip at the end, that 12 foot. So when you're in the shallow end, you look at the goggles and you can't see to the other end of the swimming pool. And I always imagined a shark coming to get me, which absolutely made completely zero sense. But uh, 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 yeah, I, I completely understand. When, you, when you're in the sea, it does play on your mind. And I think I think we, we, when you look back, we've all watched Jaws, and that's that's pretty much the reason. That's it, because you get films like Piranha, the original one with um, Lee Majors in, and uh, I mean that's going back to must be the early '80s, maybe late '70s. That that was quite horrific for his time, but that didn't have an effect on me. And I mean, I was obviously older then, but still, I don't like spiders. You watch Arachnophobia. That that didn't install a fear of opening cupboards, putting my shoes on, because there could be a spider in there. But Jaws, I mean, you go down to like Brighton and places like that, or if you go abroad, even then, when you're in the sea, you naturally just link swimming in the sea, what happens on Jaws, because it's that element of you've got no control of what is as Nim said it, in that two-yard range all around you, or what is even beneath you. And the people rarely get eaten by sharks or bitten by sharks, compared with how many people are swimming in the sea, like places like South Africa and Australia, to how many sharks there are, to how many people are swimming, the chances are so slim. But still, due to this film, and due to the way this film's directed, written, the way it's been cut, it, it does install that fear, the constant fear that you carry around with you for ages. And I think it's turned a lot of men into kind of pussies about going into the sea if they were completely honest with themselves. And that's the effect it has on me. And due to that, it's maybe into a real fat bastard. I'm sure I'd be a real slim, <laughs> athletical looking bloke. Had to find not seen Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scientific facts and studies have shown sharks don't really, won't, very rarely will go for humans um, uh, when you look at it. However, I think you're right. You go to Brighton with a, no one tried this, of course. You go to Brighton with a loudspeaker and you shout shark, you're going to have several thousand people lose their bloody mind, aren't you? Um, and, run out, and run out of the water. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, and uh, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was the reason why you're out of shape, Stu. So there you go. Yeah, Blame Spielberg. With, yeah, it's got nothing to do with cakes and pies whatsoever. It's purely, uh, <laughs> even though I live miles away from the sea, it's purely down to that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even from when you first start watching Jaws, I mean, the, the opening credits. Uh, it's just the obviously the, the famous Jaws music, which everyone knows. And you just get a shot of Under the Sea with the Jaws music playing. And even that, just revi- like revisiting the film, watching it again, gets you excited. Because you hear that music, you're just looking under the water, and you haven't obviously seen the shark at all. 
you, you know the film's about a shark, and you just wonder from then, what's he going to find? Is someone going to be attacked now? And that uh, music gives you the suspense. Uh, and I just get sucked in, I'm hooked straight away, as soon as I start watching the opening credits. And I think that says so much about this film, even when I watch it again and again and again, I'm kind of there, just due to the music and attention that it gives you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and it's that beginning, so, you know, the, you're, you're seeing it from the shark's eye view, that first scene almost, yeah. with the music, going through the, you know, going, going through the weeds, it's almost, it's almost like the camera is, is essentially the shark, and then, and then very soon after, after the credits, which we don't really have too much anymore now in films, do we? Um, you'll have this credit sequence at the beginning. Um, it doesn't really happen, other than the odd James Bond film and a few others, come to think of it. No, usually they just... Um, it goes straight into the action, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, so it really gives you that nice sense of of build, building up and preparing you for what happens next. And what does happen next is we go to a party, and very quickly we obviously we have that first. And some some people say one of the one of the scariest in the film, well, you know, shark attacks. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think it's for for what you don't see, which they do a lot in this film, and they leave it up to your own imagination. Is the the boy obviously and the girl are running to the beach and they've had a few drinks and she goes skinny dipping. She's in the sea. He's too pissed to go in the sea, so she swims out and it's just perfectly calm. It's it's so quiet, and then she gets grabbed by the shark and she gets pulled left to right, and um, she's screaming and the, her screams and she's not an actress either, is she? The screams no. are so real that she's giving off. It's chilling. Uh, and then she just bangs, she goes under. And it's that, the, I think it's equally as eerie that the the calm and the peace that's restored once she's gone, it's as if she never existed. And I think that is, that's just as hard-hitting as the screams that she's given out and the, the sheer panic and the horror. Yeah, you're right. What do you think about it? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I loved the fact that it almost teased you when she obviously grabbed onto the boy. And after, for a minute there, when, when you first watched it, I thought, okay, she's safe now. And obviously she wasn't. Um, I, I mean, what did you think of it? Uh, uh, I think Stuart was going to say before I interrupted Nim. What, what did you yeah. think of that first uh, yeah, shark no, attack? I, I, I was just about to mention that when, when she grabbed onto the boy. And I think, I think that's the clever way the, it, the film is shot to make it very kind of, I don't know, realistic is the word, but just to kind of keep the audience watching, you know, just keeping them glued because... That that is a quite a horrific attack in the sense that you see her being dragged left to right, and it, it actually lasts quite a few minutes, doesn't it? Or it seems seems like quite a long time. I don't know how long it is, but her screaming and her being her dragged around, and, and her boyfriend who's pissed out of his head, falling asleep on the beach. Um, I, I thought that was a really you know good good little scene to, for the first attack. Yeah, it it really it really sets things up, and it is at night time. And you know, as you was saying, you know, it's uh it's all calm, and then you you, you get that minute of of obviously the, the actual shark attack happening, and obviously you know you know the equilibrium is seemingly restored, and then obviously we 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 go I think to to, to daylight and uh, and get get start getting introduced to some of the characters. Um, yeah, but it goes. It's kind of I got the impression of that that feeling of. Once she was gone, it was as if she didn't exist because she's just, you don't know what's got her. Obviously, you know it's a shark, but you don't know how big the shark is, if it's only one shark or if there's two. And the fact that she's she's gone and it's so peaceful, it's as if she never was there in the first place and just never existed. 
uh, and that itself is quite a, a horrifying kind of feeling that that's it, she's gone because she's been eaten by another, by an animal. And that's a horrible feeling as well. An animal that she didn't see coming. That's really impossible to catch. And you can't go after it. And it's just such a deadly predator. And I think that alone is just quite shocking, really, that you're just out. You've got no control whatsoever. You've gone into their domain and you're kind of their dinner, basically. You're so vulnerable. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because you know we're humans, we can't, we cannot swim underwater. We're, we're, we're obviously nothing like like dolphins or anything. And I think you're right. It is essentially their domain. And you know, like a lot of people say, the Great White is really, in terms of the sea, um, at the top of the food chain, isn't he? So yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I mean, it's very clever. And uh, I mean, you can explain, James, because I mean, you watch the uh, the documentary of how they made it look so realistic with the uh, the lady being pulled along. So it's it's really clever what they did. Yeah, she was in like a harness, wasn't she? And then and then they had two people, I, I believe they were on the shore, pulling left and, left, left and right, and she was, she was being chucked for left to right. And as, as I understand, um, she, it, it, hurt her, it hurt her quite a lot. Um, she, I think she had some, uh, not permanent damage, but, but it did damage her ribs. And I know the time she actually went under... Um, I think uh, uh, obviously you know you know one of the, the they were pulling on the ropes or or, the, or this weird pulley system they kind of had. Yeah. I know Steven Spielberg actually did it as she went under because he wanted it to be absolutely absolutely perfect. I mean there are people with her in the sea, but people were actually watching from the shoreline. And a lot like some of the other shark attacks later, they were obviously you know feeling for this girl. And it looked they said it looked horrible. And and this this is the people knowing what's going on, actually doing the filming, knowing how it's all working, you, you know, behind yeah. the scenes. You, it's a bit, you know, the magician, knowing, knowing obviously how, how his trick works. And th- even these people were <laughs> were being affected by it. Yeah, I think that's incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, from that scene, you then go to uh, Chief Martin Brody at home, don't you? And yes. You, you kind of, uh, you get the first glimpse of his character and he's there with his wife and he's got his two sons isn't he Sean and Michael and you you get a kind of feeling that he's he's kind of pissed off in a way isn't he he's not really enthusiastic about being uh, the policeman there and, he, and that's when you realise he's he's from New York and they don't actually explain why he went from New York to uh, Amity Island do they I think in terms of his work there's one scene where he mentions that it's it's quite late in the film, I think. In New York, in New York, it says you, you can go out, you can you can solve all these things, and it doesn't feel like you're actually making a difference. But over here in Amity, Amityville, he says there hasn't, I think, been a murder for so many years and stuff. And he, he, he it, the idea I, I get from obviously Chief Brady is it's a lot easier to make a difference in this kind of a town than it is, for example, in a big city, which potentially could be one of the reasons why why obviously he moves. And this is despite the fact that he re- on an island, he's on an island, and he has a fear of water. Yeah, and that was something that happened when he was younger, wasn't it? Yeah, when uh, uh, he nearly, I think he, he said himself, he nearly drowned, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that kind of, that's quite, I mean... You don't, I don't know if you watch that film, you may not take any notice of that fact. But obviously it p- pays quite an important point later on during the film, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, and then he goes down, he gets a phone call, doesn't he? And he has to go down to the beach. And they've discovered, um, what you just presume, that it's the uh, the girl's hand. 
that's been found on the beach. And I thought it was quite interesting, the difference uh, in the reaction. You've got uh, Brody's colleague, who kind of doesn't really play a, a major role in the film, who's really upset. I think he's thrown up as well, um, who's discovered it. And Brody just just acknowledges that there's a hand there, we need to get that taken away, we need to get it examined. And it obviously shows a difference in their background and what policing's been like on Amity Island, where sweet FA happens and a, a girl's hand being found is the biggest thing and everyone's puking up to Brody who's, who doesn't really give a shit and it doesn't no. really affect him. It's, it's more as if the fact that, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got something to do now. I really don't want to don't want to deal with this. Yes. Uh, yeah, the difference. And it's that Valerie Woods. She's the girl who swam out, isn't she? I think so, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, Blonde Blonga in the documentaries. Yeah. Um, I think that's the one, yes. Yeah, and the next thing you see is just a, a report by the, uh, I don't know whether he's just a doctor on the island or he's a, a police doctor, I'm not too sure. And it's a report that it's a shark attack. Yes, and, and very soon then um, we, we have a we have our first controversy, don't we? Um, um, oh. Leading up, and I like it in between that. Um, despite this murder, people are asking about parking issues and things like that, quite trivial stuff, which obviously yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which obviously made me laugh quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's the things that matter on the island, obviously, isn't it? <laughs> uh, 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 abs- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, get it, get them out there and dealing with their with their neighbourhood disputes and parking and parking problems. Um, yeah. Which I, th- which I thought was good. I mean, the, the actual her actual hand was, I believe, was actually the actress's hand just buried underneath the sand. Oh, was it? Yeah, I, I, I remember. Re, re, I think I've, I've read it either on IMDb or, or it was in one of the one of the doc, one, of, one of the many making of documentaries of George. It was her hand. What I did like was all the crabs around it as well. That that kind of grossed me out a tiny bit. Yeah, that, that was a very good touch, especially if it was her hand. Yeah. So, I mean, what did what did you think about that, Nim? When when we first saw her, her hand, arm, even. Yeah, I mean, it didn't bother me really. I, I, it didn't kind of make me, you know, squirm or anything. But it it looked really realistic and stuff. And I think you know, just talking about, I was just having a quick look on IMDb about um, that that scene. Sorry to go back on what we were just talking about. Her screaming. It says on the goose page, um, some of the goose that they made. Um, the, the screaming apparently, and I'd love to watch just to see it again. But apparently, her screaming didn't match up with her mouth movements. Uh, okay. So they made like some uh, boobies there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the, the arm thing. You know, I, I thought it was. Pre- I, I, I wish they showed a bit more actually. Yeah, I know it sounds quite sick, but it's it's weird because is it in that scene or a bit later on when Hooper turns up and they examine it because it starts. I think it might be a bit later on, but he, yeah. he kind of says, oh, it's the, the torso, this, that. And you're thinking, that tray looks really small. How, how the hell is all... I mean, it's obviously all in bits, but it would have been quite good to see all the different bits all chewed up and stuff. Yeah, and I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, it just goes to show the change in the times, whereas now you can watch, like, like we are talking about today, Joe, with regards to Kick-Ass and Scream and Saw and stuff like that. And the the ultra violence that's in there, to, to to kind of obviously watching this, and back in 1975, seeing a girl's arm or hand on the beach was like absolutely horrific. Surrounded by crabs, it was it probably was such a, a gross thing back then. But now you, you become I don't know immune to how gross and how far people are taking things because you see such violence and body parts and rape and torture on telly now that 
you're desensitised to everything, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's now a twelve, isn't it, um, George? I think when I looked on the DVD, I was I was watching, uh, and I'm sure even in, even when I was a kid, it was at least a fifteen. I'm sure of that. So uh, I think it has. But yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been reclassified and put a bit a bit a bit lower. And as you said, probably potentially for for those reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just thought it was quite interesting now seeing a body part to, to what you see on telly now. I mean, it just goes to show in, in it was it 30 odd years or how many ever it is, how things have changed, 40 years, how many things have changed. But I mean, moving on from there, I mean, it's from the, the gross hand on the uh, the beach. It's, it's when you meet the first meet the mayor, Larry Vaughan. And I think even though he's a character that you kind of you do despise to a certain extent up until about an hour into the film where you start to feel sorry for him. The mayor's a really strong character because he's kind of the, the main rival to, to Brody that he tries to block everything, every part of common sense that you see, even though there's evidence in front of you of there is a shark and people have been killed. He's constantly blocking every intention he's got of closing the beach and his reasons he gives are purely business and financial reasons rather than people's lives and people are losing lives and you really get to hate that mayor and I think the only reason why you get to hate him is because he's such a, a strong character in this I agree, I, mean, I, I hated him and I think he he is your typical politician and like you say all he cares about is the, the kind of how, what, how it's going to affect the business and I think it's approaching July the 4th and they're all gearing up for that and you think, for God's sake, someone's just been attacked by a shark on your beach and he's happy to let people go into the sea um, and I mean, I, I don't even feel sorry for him, I, I think at the point when he realises, he starts mumbling about, um, well I was, I was doing it in the interest of the town and stuff and you just think, the man's deluded, he, he's completely yeah. and utterly, I mean the actor himself, he you know, he plays a is a good actor in that in that sense that if somebody makes you hate them and you think you're an absolute arsehole, he's done a good job, hasn't he? Really, so yeah, exactly. And he says to um, Brody when he first meets him, when he's getting all the signs um, to put on the beach to shut it down, he says, "This is your first summer, and you want to close the beach." And he says, "Amity is a, a summer town, and it needs summer dollars." Uh, and then he's basically kind of he's made his stance. He's, this is what he thinks. And I think that's. I think he's a really good character, just because. And, and, there's, you and there's, that, there's that scene where um, when Brody's trying to talk to him. I don't know after which attack, but he's trying to talk to him on the beach, and he just com- he turns around and goes, "Look, someone's graffitied that sign." And, yeah, um, exactly. and he, and he goes, "Yeah," and he goes, "You need to go and find them people." And I'm thinking, "What planet <laughs> is this man on?" Yes, help yeah. shark. That, 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 that was quite funny. Yeah, and Richard Dreyfus, who plays Hooper, he's just scratching his head, and, it, and he's just—he has to laugh, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like, this is just unbelievable. This I'm... really is. And he even says, "I know we're skipping ahead, but the uh, specs on that drawing there are realistic, and that's yeah. what's going to happen." Uh, the denial—it gets to be comical after a while. It's, it's so frustrating; you just really can't see what's going to happen. And uh, I think it's credit to the actor that, and the writing of it as well that you do get to hate him. Otherwise, if he wasn't good at what he was doing and the script wasn't good, you'd just kind of bypass him as, yeah, this is your role you got to play and I'm not bothered about you. But you do get pissed off of him. Is he, is he more... Did you, either of you then think... Is he more the villain than the actual shark itself then? Up, at least up until 
um, at the point where they obviously leave in the Yorker. But I think to a certain extent, he, he is until uh, until the shark starts getting more victims. That he is because he's the, the biggest obstacle uh, at the moment in regards to what's happening. I, know, I mean, yeah, I know because the argument being that the shark is only doing what arguably comes natural of um, uh, uh, to him is eating, you know, for food and eating these people, which 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 Trooper obviously later clarifies is basically essentially it's easy meat and he's going to be there while the food source is there. It's not really obviously until later on in the film where the shark is almost hunting the orca itself, you know, and then suddenly yeah. does really become uh, clear that, that, that he's a bit... So, yeah, I think, I, I'm in agreement with you in terms of, obviously, the mayor, up until that, up until that point, really is the main, the, ma- the, the main villain until he obviously has that, has that epiphany. Um, I mean, what do you think with that, Nim? You know what? You just cut out there, mate. Oh, sorry. I don't know what happened there. Um, we're so talking... It's a really interesting fact that James is making. It's probably the Sorry. most important thing he's said so far on the podcast. No, about, about the mayor potentially being the main villain uh, um, I up until go... the halfway point. No, I wouldn't go as far as saying that, mate. I mean, um, he's, he's, he's annoying. I wouldn't really class him as a villain. Um... Because the argument I was using is the shark, as in, you know, Jaws... Uh, or Bruce, as he was called, um, <laughs> the actual robot, named after, what was it, Steven Spielberg's lawyer, wasn't he? Uh, the yeah. robot. Um, yeah. The, the, the shark's only, at that point, doing what comes natural. Easy food source, I'm going to stay here because I need my food. But the mayor is not doing what comes natural, well, maybe, but not really doing what comes natural to him. He's, he's greedy. Well, he's greedy, but he's greedy for the people. I mean, again, I'm not sticking up for him because it's bloody annoying, but you, like I said, you can see where people, those kind of people in those positions would all be like that. I mean, I don't know. It, you, you could put any mayor or any kind of person in charge um, of, of a town, like if it was Boris uh, and we had like a, I don't know, a major shark attack on the Thames or something, I'm sure he'd be like, yeah, it's all fine. Look, I'm going skinny dipping into the sea. I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those things. That's That's how people react and you expect... You expect the mayors and, and the people that kind of run the towns to do that. They're not going to turn around and say, yep, yeah, okay, you're right, let's close the beach. No, he's not a, a, a mayor with common sense, is he? And I think he plays that part really well. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, he does, he does. As I think Nim was saying, just like, you know, a typical, uh, not quite a cliche, but a typical politician uh, as displayed in like many films. We've seen, since obviously his kind of role, we've seen his the similar roles, um, uh, played by different people in different films that are quite similar to him, uh, clearly doing something wrong, uh, you know, uh, but trying to justify it for, for for various reasons. Yeah, and he has everyone in his back pocket as well because when they he's meeting with the mayor and they're talking as such that the, the doctor's with him as well, and the doctor who gave him the report, and uh, he was the one who put it was a shark attack on there, and he says it wasn't a shark attack; she was probably hit by a boat. It was a propeller. Mm. and uh, he says well you put the shark attack on there are you willing to change it in your words and he kind of just just nods but embarrassingly and quite shamefully that the mayor's got him in his pocket and it's all for as he puts it making the summer dollars and it goes to show the power he's got on the island that the mayor the uh, doctor will even amend a report that he wrote stating that it's a shark attack and Brody's just scratching his head in disbelief of like this is just fucking unbelievable why am I bothering Yes, no, no, absolutely, and and then obviously, um, that obviously leads eventually uh, to um, 
to the next um, shark attack. Um, but, 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 but obviously, before we get to that, obviously we're obviously introduced to Brody um, after the first shark attack. We see him. We know he's the, ch- the, the chief of police. We're introduced to his wife, um, Ellen Brody. And interestingly, what I wanted to ask also is, well, when we look at Star Wars, for example, it, this will make sense, um, that we're, we're essentially, in a way, watching the film... Uh, for, we are Luke Skywalker. Essentially, we don't really know much about what's going on, and we uh, we develop and we start to learn about the universe as Luke Skywalker uh, learn, le- learns about it. Yeah, in in are we watching the film from Chief Brody's position? Uh, Nim, what do you think? I don't know. That's very interesting. Um, <laughs> are we watching it from Mr. Brody's um, perspective? I'd say yes. I'd, I'd, yeah, I was just about to say I'd, I'd get. I guess so because there's a lot of, there is a lot of things that he's actually learning himself, isn't it? And and that's what you're learning as the viewer, whatever he's learning. So maybe yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, that I, I I felt I felt that that as well. I mean, uh, I mean when you tend to look at other the, the main characters that they're not really introduced as yet, but you obviously have Quint and 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 Hooper. Um, so yeah, I think. I think you are. I think you're right. We are at the beginning of the film in Chief Brody's position. We don't really know much about the shark. We learn about the first shark attack very soon after he does. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and then obviously we lead to that to that second shark attack, which which for some is 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 quite horrifying. Obviously, being being a child, the it's it's um it's not the fourth of July yet, but the 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 beach is remaining open despite Brody saying it should be closed. The mayor's pretty much got everyone in his pocket, as you were saying. Remaining open, everything looks hunky dory. The chief is on the um, the beach. Interestingly, though, the chief is on the beach, and he seems to be on a day off, as I understand. Almost, almost, he's not really in his uniform or anything. No, but I, I love the uh, the way it's set with regards to um, that they're panning and the the camera's facing straight at Brody yes. all the time and. Uh, you really get that sense of, of fear and panic in Brody's eyes of every time there's a, a splash, a noise, a scream, that he's like a he's like a little lemur, isn't he? He's just up and alert and looking around to see what it is. He's really, really on edge. And he, he's not enjoying himself. And even his wife just says, you're really uptight. What's wrong? And it's as if he's the only one there on that beach who's got that fear of there's going to be another shark attack where everyone else is oblivious to it. Uh, I, I love the way the camera is just set at eye level on Brody and you're just facing him all the time. I think that just adds to a lot of tension uh, uh, through that part of the film. But, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of te- there is a lot of tension and then there's a lot of teasing by the film. Um, for example, we've got that old man that almost looks like a shark nose or part of the shark at some point, uh, yeah. swimming, and then goes underneath someone and bobs up. We see it's an old man. Um, and you, you've also got the scene where that girl screams, goes under, uh, and clearly, um, you know, within a few seconds, we realise it's her boyfriend messing around. Um, and obviously, you, you know, it focus, that does focus on Chief Brody. And I think what also helps to, to the tension is a lot of the shots, I believe, um, and it was mentioned in, in many of the documentaries, are shot at sea level with the water lapping, obviously, against the camera. Which yeah. adds to that tension, and then you get a few shots of obviously underneath, um, you know, so, so seeing the swimmers, the, the the people's legs, and then and then you have uh, the, uh, the the kid that gets attacked, uh, the kitten, the uh, young kitten boy, I think, I think his name, uh, that's that's his last name anyway. Saying to his mum, "Can I go back in the sea?" 
Chivas, he says yes, he gets his uh, yellow float and, and go, uh, goes back. But at the time, obviously, when you're watching it, you, f- for the first time at the least, uh, you don't really think anything of it. Um, yeah, his name's Alex, the little boy, isn't yes, it? That, yes, Alex Kinner. Um, you, don't, you don't think anything of it. And once he's in the seat, it, start, it slowly starts... You know, and you, you just feel... You, it's like you know something's going to happen, but you're not really sure when. Yeah, but the, as you said, the, 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 the teasers they have on the way up to it with regards to the camera underwater, every time they show that, the, the view is really amongst the crowd of people that you think, is that view a uh, point of view from the shark? Is he there already? And they keep flicking to Brody to that underwater view, back to Brody again. Yes. And, and they just build that tension. I, I think that's really, really good. Even now, watching it, after all these years of seeing it, certainly in double figures, I still get that element of tension of waiting for it to happen and in a minute it's going to happen it's going to happen in a minute I know yeah, it's done so well it is and you've also got the tease where the guy loses his dog he's throwing his stick to a dog dog returns it I, th- I think at least once or twice and then he's calling out for his dog and all you see is the stick and obviously it's led, it's you know it's left to your imagination what happened because we don't yeah. really see um, the dog the... the dog doesn't come back does it no, no. I think, so I think that's the point when you kind of realise that the, you know the shark is definitely out there now it's going to you're going to have to see the attack. Yeah. I, I, I thought, Pippin I, I thought, shark food, yeah. I, I, I just think it was... Um, did you just say Pippin? Yeah, it's a dog's name. Yeah. Oh, it was it? Yeah. Stu does his homework better than us, Nim. Ah. Oh, I'm sad, <laughs> mate. Believe me. <laughs> there's another There's another Pippin dog children's programme. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but I won't go into that now. Um, but no, I, I just thought... <laughs> I, I thought it, like you say, about the camera angles and things. I think again, I think they were way ahead of their time in you know, 1975. The way the camera angles were shot, um, and especially like when you've got the, the views underwater, looking up at the legs, kind of splashing around. And I think just before that attack on the little boy with the yellow float, you you can kind of you're you're now seeing the view through the shark, where it's kind of it's, it's, you see it going up to some set of legs, and then it manoeuvres away, and you're thinking. Is it going to go for them? No, it's going that way. Is it going to go for them? No, it's going that way. And it goes for the kid with the um, float. And that's also very in keeping with what sharks do in the sense that they go for things that look like seals. Yeah, They're not really going to go for legs. And people on floats or surfboards look like seals to sharks, and that's why they go for them. So that's that quite realistic. But it's, it's, it's so hard-hitting, the fact that they show so many different people. And I suppose, in a way... Like when you watch any film, even present day, of when an adult gets taken out, even like a teenager gets taken out, you, it doesn't seem as bad. But for a, a small boy or child to get killed in such a bloodthirsty way, in such a graphic way, back in that time, 75, I mean, it was really hard hitting. It was proper hardcore to to see that in front of everyone and you can't have a nice, pleasant shark attack. They're always pretty bloody graphic. And I thought for that, it was brilliant. It really was. It made you think, fucking hell, they've just attacked a little boy and he's dead. Yeah, I mean, you see all the blood there. You see up him panicking um, and uh, like the girl somewhere, suddenly he's gone. And really the only thing that's left is obviously the blood and, and his float. And you obviously see... Um, for a very very quick shot, the, what what we appears to be the shark's fins. He's like up there 
all the blood and with all this blood coming coming out, it's it's horrible. And obviously, uh, Chief Brody notices notices it straight away and it tells everyone to shout out the water. And uh, and probably for me more so than the actual shark attack itself. I think one of the saddest things is everyone's come out and the mum is still calling for for her boy, yeah. who's obviously not gonna. Yeah, as we all know, is not going obviously to leave that sea. Yeah. But again, when people are coming out of the sea, it's done so well. It's when you think it, it, the way it was like orchestrated of right, everyone's going to rush out of the sea in a panic. It, you really do get that element of panic where adults are pushing kids underwater and they're pushing mums underwater and tipping kids out of boats and <laughs> proper bloody anarchy and mayhem. How's the hay fever, mate? Going all right. It's, it's bad, man. It's, it's I just sound like I'm farting, doesn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's, it's bad. I keep dribbling from my nose, so I do apologise. It's not good. It's not. I've taken. I've taken my tablets. Um, mm. So, so, that, so there you go. Sorry about that. Carry on. You just killed the moment of some little boy getting eaten by a shark. Then just by one I'm, instant blow of the nose. I know. I, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been holding it in for half an hour. I've been wanting Don't to apologise to me. Don't apologise to Alex's mother, who's on the beach screaming for her son, and you're there blowing your nose. Well, they, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, cheers for that. Um, I can imagine you sitting on the beach when she's calling out and everyone's quiet and you're just sitting there on your own going... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, love, I've got hay fever. <laughs> you're a sick man, Jay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, Thanks, man. As you say, the, the mum's crying out for her son and all you see is a, um, a washed-up yellow lilo covered in blood with a huge bite mark. And it, you realise that that kid's not coming back. No, um, which which is obviously quite sad. And that brings us straight to um, very soon. Very soon after that, um, and uh, what I want to say: sixteen minutes in, and we've had essentially three shark attacks. One of them we didn't see the dog, but yeah. that's obviously implied. You know, the the, the death count is obviously three, um, which is quite significant. We're talking just over the fifteen minute mark of the film starting. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously meet one of the great characters next. They have the meeting, don't they, with the mayor and I don't know if they're members of public or other representatives from the the council of the beat uh, of Amity, but they're all talking about what they can do and closing the beaches and that the Fourth of July is coming. And then you very very famous scene is Robert Shaw walks in who plays Quint that just screeches his nails down the board and everyone stops and looks at him and he's a great character. He sat there with his fisherman's cap on just eating crisps or whatever he's eating and it's absolutely brilliant and he just sits there and talks about how scary sharks are and that you won't get rid of it and that he offers to get rid of it and he says he'll find him for three grand and he'll kill him for ten and just the way everyone stops what they're doing and just stares and it goes quiet and they listen I think that's such a brilliant introduction to a great character yeah, and, and I think in, ter- in terms of characters, he's definitely one of, one of the best. Um, because obviously, you know, he doesn't like sharks. And later on, which I'm sure we'll talk about, we obviously learn why. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is brilliant. I mean, the, uh, what is it, the £10,000 he wants. Uh, by, I did the maths, guys. By inflation today, that would be the equivalent of 44000 Blimey. Yeah, so uh, he, he offers that, and um, it, it almost seems like the town, after uh, after the pivotal meeting 
of uh, you know for the audience meeting Quint for the first time, he dis- he kind of other than that short cameo, he kind of disappears again for quite a while, doesn't he? It seems. Yeah, because you go back to more of the denial, really, don't you? Yeah, and and the shark, the the shark town, um, it becomes a shark town essentially, obsessed with with this shark and this uh, three thousand dollar reward. Yeah, but I mean, before that happens, I, I really like the bit where, because obviously, essentially, it's despite the attacks and the, the public attacks, still it's Brody who's the one who's got the the biggest fear of the shark. And you see him at home with his uh, wife, who's an, another great character. I mean, uh-huh. that's uh, what was her, what was her name? Is it um, Susan? Susan? Susan Boyle. But Susan Backline, isn't it? Something like that. And Susan isn't she? Yeah, I think it's her. But no, it's not. It's um, Lorraine Gray. And isn't she married to one of the directors of um, Universal? Something like that, wasn't it? And they thought it was a fix that she got the part. It was favoritism. Yes, I remember that coming out in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, but she turned out to be great. I mean, they got great chemistry. Um, the character Ellen Brody and uh, Chief Brody. I mean, when I first watched it, well, obviously I was a, a youngster, that you could really believe that they were husband and wife because they got such good chemistry on screen. Yeah, right from the beginning, when you know, and and for the uh, let's get drunk and fall around, I think like, like later on, <laughs> on the way it's done. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. You, you do have this chemistry that they have been together for years. Yeah, and Lorraine Gray is the only character really who's in every single Jaws film, isn't she? Apart from the shitty Jaws 3D that was on, but well, she's so, been in every single one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She isn't she? Um, she's in one, two, uh, and. and- Four with Michael Caine, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think in the famous interview, Michael Caine did say, "I've never seen the film, but I can tell you which house it paid for." Um, <laughs> I, think, I think he said That's that, quality. yeah, in in in, in, <laughs> in an interview. So, <laughs> yeah, because Brody's obviously sitting at home reading shark books, isn't he? Yes, I think you and I are talking about this too, and this uh, we get what, one moment of foreshadowing, obviously, when he sees uh, flipping through the book and he sees a shark with appearing to eat some kind of gas tank or something, and that's obviously, um, you know, how obviously Jaws goes, event, you know, gets well yeah. uh, destroyed. He's, he's really kind of sitting there just feeding his own fears, isn't he? You see um, sharks attacking boats, sharks attacking people. You see shark injuries. And he's just sitting there and he says to his wife that sharks have been around for millions of years and people don't know anything about their behaviour. Uh, and it's all he's doing is kind of scaring the shit out of himself, really, isn't he? Yeah. Not, yeah, especially considering he doesn't like water. It's not really helping. Yeah, and then his wife says, oh, you're being silly. You're, you're just getting yourself worried and there's nothing wrong. And then she sees the book and finds out that her son Michael's outside on a boat and she goes frigging mental and calls him in and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it just they both kind of realise that you can't control the predators in the sea, and they will be there. And if you're out there, you're vulnerable, and they'll take you. I think that's a really good scene because you just see him sitting there thinking, "Fucking hell, this thing's out there. Look at it's doing to people." That's pretty good. Did you see that, Nim? Did you relate yeah, to that? I, yeah, I mean, do you know what that that part? I was actually talking to a, a mate of mine. I went out for a drink last week with, and uh, I said we're going to be doing Jaws. Um, as a review and he said to me he goes it's one of the best films ever and I'm quite surprised that this guy likes Jaws and I said he goes what do you think it's about and I said well it's about a shark attack isn't it and he goes no no I I think it's more about 
um, a relationship about the father and son relationship. Um, and I thought he's had one too many bloody bottles of wine. I mean, what's he talking about? <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, and I know exactly what bit he was talking about because it, it's that mirroring bit, and you think you see the. I mean, as the kind of Jaws's all progress, you see that it is the Brody family that's in all the Jaws films. And I think it kind of sets it off in terms of, in that particular scene where you see, I think, when Chief Brody's sitting there, and is it Michael? Is, is it Michael, yeah. the, the younger one? And he's kind of mimicking his dad, yeah. isn't he, when he's kind of sitting there? And I think that is quality. That is a, it's a quality little kind of father-son scene. Yeah, and that was I, completely I, improvised, that bit as well. That wasn't really? rehearsed, yeah. I mean, you're right, man. I think that is a very poignant, poignant scene because that scene comes straight after um, the the uh, the famous slapping scene, um, where what was it? Where, where Sam Chief Brady get got slapped uh, seventeen times to get that shot? Well, by yeah, the, the yeah, and, uh... yeah, by um, by Alex Kidner's uh, mum because obviously uh, she she walks up to him and she says, basically, you knew about the shark attack on that yeah. girl. You knew. That there was a shark there, you knew the sea was dangerous, and you did nothing, which is not entirely true. But obviously, you know, the beaches that, were open. That that particular scene is—I think it just makes. I remember when I watched that when he got slapped, I was so annoyed. I was thinking, well, he shouldn't bloody be getting slapped. He should be the bloody mayor getting slapped because yeah. Brody said close it. Um, but what does it come down to? And as as we all know, you know, let's just blame the police. You know, <laughs> yeah, probably that, right. Yeah, typical typical thing. You know. In, the, the, the blame will only lie on the police officer who didn't close the beach, but he tried his best to bloody close the beach, and he he, he didn't he doesn't say a word, does he? He's just there, kind of glassy-eyed, takes a slap, and and that's it. Um, yeah. He could have turned around and said, "Look, I did try. It was that idiot over there that didn't close it." But you know, it shows the character he, he he's at. Yeah, but before that bit, you you meet Hooper, don't you? Uh, yeah, we have skipped that one. Yes, yes, Hooper. Um, uh, he never, he quite, well, the guy that played it, uh, Richard Dreyfus, wasn't it? Yeah, Richard Dreyfus. Dreyfus, yeah. Or, yeah. Very nearly didn't actually play, play the part at all. He, de- he declined it on two occasions, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah, he declined it on two occasions. And it wasn't until, I think, the, one of his movies that was coming out didn't do as well as he hoped that he phoned up Spielberg and always begged, begged for the part back. And um, I thought he... He played Hooper fantastically. The three main characters, all the characters in this, but in particular, the three main characters are at, were absolutely brilliant in their part. To the point where I don't think you could ever imagine anyone else playing those characters. No, because as I said, they, they were going to cast Lee Marvin, first of all, as um, uh, Quint, weren't they? Yes. And that's who uh, Spielberg really wanted to, um, to have. I mean, And as you said, you can't imagine watching the film now with anyone else. Um, playing that apart from Robert Shaw he's he just done it so well but I mean they met um, Hooper and I think the first time you see Hooper he's a very likeable character before he even says anything I mean he's got his little beanie hat on his round glasses his little fisherman's beard and uh, he's got his bag over his shoulder and he's really quick witted yeah um, to me the first time you see him he looks like a student as well almost yeah, yeah, and he plays that really kind of geeky character so well as the it's doctor. almost like a, it's almost like a geeky I don't give a shit type of character, and you see why later on when when um, he kind of talks to Brody, you know, that he comes from a quite a wealthy background, doesn't he? He doesn't yeah. have to, he doesn't even really have to work if he doesn't want to, and I think the only reason he's doing it is because he had he he had a shark attack when he was a little kid, um, but 
he is, I think, his little one-liners. Because he, he's got quite a few little one-liners in there. And I can't kind of recall. I think the only thing I can recall him saying is at one point when he says, they're all going to die. That's it. That's, that's when he actually, yeah. when you first meet him. Because Brody's trying to get all those like nutters off the boat that are all going out to hunt the shark. Yeah. And um, he goes, look, can you just help me one minute? Get those people off the boat. And they're not listening to him. And he just kind of turns around and goes, they're all going to die. They're all going to die. And he's, yeah, he's, just, he's so right. <laughs> he's just quite a likable character, but yeah. So, um, and that's when from there they go and examine the the hand from there, don't they? And the rest of the remaining body parts from the first victim, the girl who was killed. And that's right. I've, and I've got some um, goofs on that actually. You know that like, I'm looking at the kind of goofy bits. Um, you know when Hooper starts talking about. All the different types of sharks and things. Yeah, and he's referring to them in their um, the Latin names and stuff. Yeah. So he's he he mentions one of them. I'm not even trying to pronounce one of them, but the first one that he mentions is um, a white tip shark, which yeah. wouldn't even come close to the shore. And white tip sharks would take a bite out of someone, but they're just they're actually quite small small sharks. And then the next one, he kind of, he says it's called the Isserus glucus, or glucus. Um, well, that's a short fin mako shark, and they're only found in the Pacific Ocean. So it's quite bizarre, because they've obviously gone to a lot of trouble to kind of use the Latin names of these sharks. Um, yeah. But then they've misplaced the wrong sharks in the wrong place. Which is yeah. Good. It's strange, isn't it, that you go into learning the different names and I suppose just reeling sharks off to finding out that they, they're only swimming around in Brighton or Southampton and they never go there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think um, in ter- for, for this film, this film, I think, did for sharks what Jurassic Park almost did for dinosaurs, for kids, anyway. Uh, yeah. But as scary as they are, I think it made people more fascinated by sharks. And a lot of people say this film really really hurt the shark's reputation yeah because it just makes you think that they're monsters doesn't it and i can actually understand that and that goes from what we were saying at the start of it that the fear that this gave people for probably what could some of them be the rest of their lives is is quite amazing but nowadays i mean you could watch a shark program i mean there's so many documentaries and things have evolved so much that you can watch programs about the sharks and think how amazing and interesting they are rather than thinking they're monsters but that feeling goes straight away as soon as you step foot in the sea and you want to go swimming you forget everything that you've watched on telly you just kind of think no, yeah. fuck it I'm going to get attacked and I'm a pussy and I want to get out of the sea but, I mean, yeah. talk, talking of documentaries and stuff I mean you know I, I like my old shark documentaries or any kind of wildlife documentaries and I remember once watching something and it said that there's a couple of things. I mean, there's quite a few things, but they said two predators that, you know, man is so scared of at the moment, one being um, a crocodile or alligator and the second being a shark. And they said, these are both animals that are around during the dinosaurs. Yeah. And they are still around now. Um, and, and they said, you know, that's millions of years of pure honing and, you know, just tuning into the perfect killing machine you know they are both of them are, are the perfect killing machines because yeah. that's what they've done i mean not for a thousand years millions of years i mean it is a quite a bizarre fact that you know sharks were around when dinosaurs were around uh, yeah, yeah it's, I think it's, it's, it's like an that, awesome killing machine 
Yeah, yeah. So, but um, we're the ones who uh, first to go and catch them when someone gets attacked, and that's what one thing that really pisses me off that you have to. You've got to believe that if you go into the sea, as I said earlier, you're going into their domain and that's their ground, their hunting ground. And if you get attacked, then you've got to think, well, fair enough, I was in the sea. And I don't see why people go and hunt sharks after someone's been attacked while surfing or swimming. Yeah. It's the case of you should expect that if you go in the sea, it just happens. Well, it's like I was saying, you know, they're, they're, I think a lot of the time sharks are not, they're not out there to kill humans. They mistaken them for like seals or other things whatever they think it is but you're right you know as soon as somebody gets attacked they go absolutely ballistic and start whacking off loads of sharks and and as they show you in this film they show you the kind of um this the, this, the mentality the human nature when a shot you know when a, that three thousand pound bounty is put on and you get all the nutters from all over the place all over kind of new york that turn up there ready to hunt down the sharks and i think there's um it says in one of the extended scenes, there's more scenes around the, um, the the people, the fishermen all going out to sea, and it shows them, it shows the humans acting like a, a shark frenzy where they're shooting into the sea. I think um, you, there's a couple of scenes where this guy just chucks like a, a, a bit of dynamite into yeah, the... Yeah, um, sticking dynamite in the sea yeah. and just blowing and up whatever they want. <laughs> what, what, what the hell is he doing? Um, and they're shooting into, but I think they've actually cut it down. They, they've used, looking at this, they said they usually cut it down for TV. Um, and sometimes, once in a while, they'll they'll leave the extended versions in that will then take it up to three hours. Uh, but, wow. but it didn't even feel like watching. I mean, I don't, I can't remember how long it was, but it didn't feel it's like. It's a one hours. hour fifty nine minutes. The version I watched. So that's a lot they've cut out. Then that means um, that there's quite a lot of scenes in there apparently that were. Um, that kind of prolong it. But that, that particular scene where you see people just chucking rubbish, you know, dynamite and all that sort of stuff in, it shows the kind of human nature and they go and catch a tiger shark, I think it is, isn't it? And they say, well, we've, we've got it, we've got it. And Hooper quite rightly says, he goes, that's not the shark because the bite radius is just completely... Incorrect. Yeah, that's a great scene because when they bring the shark out, they obviously string it up. And uh, the Brody walks over and he's shaking everyone's hand. And I think he says, who called that? And it's Ben Gardner, isn't it? I think. Mm. And they're just shaking his hand. And the mayor comes down and they're all chatting. And they're all gathering around to take a picture. And Hooper's just ignoring everyone. And he just walks up and measures a shark. And even when they want to take the picture, they just say, can a little man just get out of the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Brody's there and everyone's smiling. And then the mayor comes over and Brody runs over and says, we got it, we got it, it's all fine. And then he just says to him from in front of the mayor as well, and you can see the mayor in the background. He says, "This isn't your shark. This isn't the one." Uh, and again, the mayor just looks in denial, and he says, and "The mayor says, well, you want to close the beach for this? Everything's fine now.'" Mm. And you can't think you toss up again. You're still not listening to what's being said. And as you said, that's when the mum comes over um, and slaps him. Yes. And again, as you said earlier, that took 17 times to actually get right because he, Brody kept preempting the slap and kept moving his head. And so uh, she had to slap him again and again and again until he got it right. Yeah. <laughs> which I think's great. And as yeah. you said today, Jay, about the um, when people see that woman around now, they regularly ask her to slap them around the face, <laughs> which is a really it strange is, request. It is, isn't it? It, it, it is, isn't it? The price of fame. But I think I think what Nim was going on about was the scene with, with Brody, because very interestingly, we get her, obviously, you know, we're reminded about her losing a son, how upsetting it was, blaming Brody, And then the, almost the very next scene, 
is that touching scene with Brody and his younger son doing the copying. And mm. I think, uh, equally, um, with obviously his kids being in trouble later on on the 4th of July soon scene, to me, I think Brody actually... That's that's the point for me, where Brody thinks to himself, I need to do something about this. Um, uh, and obviously, um, we don't really feel... It's, uh, you know, that's where this, the, the seed starts to germinate, uh, of... I need to do something about this because nobody else is going to do anything anything about this. And obviously, in the Fourth of July, it's, it's set up, and they have all these. Um, the beach is not going to be closed. Understandably, Brody cannot do anything about it from a uh, previously where the mayor says you you can't do this for all these legal mumbo jumbo reasons and put things in his way. Um, and and it's he he's he's there on the radio, absolutely trying his best. Um, uh, on, on, and obviously, you know what happens. What happens to the kids later? But I, I, th- I still think it's from that scene onwards where he knows he has to do something because he's no one else is going to do anything about this shark other than him. Yeah, I think it's really good. I, I always wonder, and I was wondering it the other day when I was watching it, whether um, it's a real shark that actually cut open. I don't. I thought that. I don't think it is. Was it a real shark that had strung up though? Yes. That was a real shark because apparently in the documentary there's that um and I think in or IMDb I remember reading that that it really stunk the place out because it was starting to decompose. So I wondered that I thought if they've got a real shark strung up, then on the next scene, why not cut a real shark open? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be, but the only reason why I thought it wasn't, I haven't got any evidence to suggest either way, was they quite happily will show you a, a dead boy, show you a dead arm. But they didn't show you the open up, the opened up shark, which might have been quite interesting. Maybe it was too gruesome at the time. But of the scenes we saw in the film, like the dead foot, I don't think that would have uh, that that would have been beyond. Obviously, you know, it wouldn't have made the film any worse. And no, just because uh, their reaction of the yeah. smell and everything, either they they were really really good and they'd been told, or it was just a real shark. And right, we're going to cut it open. You react, and we'll film your reactions. Yeah, that could have been, but there was no for every there was no money shot of the open up shot, which I, I think some of the audience might might have wanted. If they were going to do that, it almost seems wasted for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just just wondered because it's it's quite interesting, as you say. It's when Brody kind of thinks, "Well, I've got nothing to lose. I really need to go for it now." Is that they cut the shark open, realize again that the, what they already knew that it wasn't the shark, and I don't know if it's because Brody's pissed, but at night time, they go out on the boat yes. looking for the sharks. It feeds at night. And it's kind of like, I think you get the impression that even halfway through that Brody still can't believe that he's on a boat and he doesn't think it's a good idea. No, and obviously at that point, um, they obviously come across uh, Matey Boy's boat, don't they? Yeah, it's Ben Gardner's boat, isn't it? Yes, the hero who'd, who'd got the shark. Yeah. And you know, that, that's the only bit, I mean, that's the bit that made me jump, um, the, the scene when he's down, when Hooper's in the, um, he, he goes, dives down, doesn't he, to, to have a look underneath the, the the boat to see what sort of um, yeah. attack, is, how the attack's happened. And he looks underneath and you, when um, Ben Gardner's head pops out, I'll tell you what, I don't know what it was. It's, and I think it's the music as well. It's, it's just another John Williams um, thing. I'm not James. too sure. Who... The music, yeah, I think I think John. If it's instrumental, it, I think yeah. John Williams is accredited to pretty much the, the entire because score. I think I think a lot of it again. You know, like when we say how it, the, the fear is put into you, is, is also the music. 
And I think at that point when it just that the body pops up and it's just a little bit of instrumental. Yes, it really goes with it, doesn't it? I I literally just jumped out of my seat, and it's been a very long time since films made me jump out of my seat. And and again, you just think, bloody hell, this is a film that's, you know, over 30 years old, and it can do that to you. It's because you're waiting for the shark attack, aren't you? Because you're looking around. Yeah. And it's like Hooper makes you believe that, because he keeps looking left and right, and as the music comes, and it goes quiet, you think, right, the shark's going to come from behind. And I remember watching it when I was younger, and I, would, I don't know, I must have been about eight or something, and I watched it with my parents. And it was that one part of the film that they said, right, cover your eyes for this bit. And obviously the the intrigue of why I should cover my eyes made me not cover my eyes. <laughs> yep. And I remember that head coming out of the boat. And again, I shit myself. It seems so realistic. I'm watching that now. Just it It makes me chuckle and brings back quite fond memories of, Back in that time, this was absolutely horrific. This was hardcore. Someone's head with an eye sucked out, just rolls out the boat. And uh, yeah, but that was filmed in a pool rather than the sea, wasn't it? Or a film that, I think. Yes, it, it was. And it was it was filmed after they'd finished the, the main production, wasn't it? Um, I think Steven Spielberg wanted, had added that scene into it. And he, he himself said he was, he was getting greedy to a certain degree. He wanted to scare the audience more. Because, um, I mean, and you, you've got the two big scares, that one. And obviously, uh, the first time we see the shark pop out of the water properly, um, when obviously Brody's on the orca. Yeah, yeah. And, and this was the first, I think, big, big, like jump scare. Let's say. Yeah, that really did make me jump. But I love the going back to 1975 when he's looking at the boat, and Hooper goes on about the gadgets that he's got in there, when he's got like a radar and he's got a fish detector and stuff like that. And now you kind of think, well. I'm sure average boats are fitted with that, and that's just bog-standard equipment. And back in those days, you're like, bloody hell, this boat is kitted out to the max. This geezer's got all the gear on his boat. And uh, it just, just shows how kind of another time where you think, yeah, the film's dated a little bit. Cause, but back then, it was like, man, you got a radar on a boat. Bloody hell. But it's just bog-standard shit that you get now. Do you think, do you think I mean, in, in the book... I think um, Hooper's meant to be a lot more arrogant than in the film, but do you think Hooper's quite arrogant? I mean, he flirts, he's flirts quite a lot with Chief Brody's, uh, with, with Chief Brody's wife. Um, I think he's confident. He's confident rather than arrogant, do you think? I think he's, he's just a really intelligent bloke, and I think that that comes through in the end um, with Quint, because uh, we'll talk about it later, but I, I think it's just the confidence... He's got. He's, he studied these fish from a very early age. He's got a fascination with them, so he hasn't got that fear of what they can do or the unknown. I mean, he proves that by going out at night time when there's a shark around in a boat, doesn't he, underwater? So I think he's just got that confidence about him that no one okay. else in the film has got. Because you compare him with Brody, who's got zero confidence and is frightened of the water. To Hooper, who loves the water and will quite happily get out at night and in shark-infested waters to check out a boat that's clearly been attacked by a shark. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, so, uh, and then, then after that scene, we ha- oh, oh, um, is that where the 4th of July? That's where, or before that, you've got, yeah, and, well, no, you've got the Hooper and the, the mayor argue because... Oh, yes, about, about the graffiti. By, <laughs> yeah, they meet by that signpost and... Um, <laughs> they've got the girl on the uh, the lilo painted on there with Amityville Summer 
and he talks tells him about the the shark's tooth that he picked a shark's tooth out the size of a knife or something, and uh, Ben Gardner's head on it. Yeah, shot glass. Uh, doesn't he? Size of yeah, shark. and he, yes, a shot glass. And uh, he says, "Well, where's the tooth now then?" As if like you're talking out of your ass. Yeah, and again, like he's he making it up on. or something. It's yeah, ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, and he, and he starts laughing, and uh, the mess says to him because he talks about how flashy he is and how cocky he is. And uh, he says to him, you'd love to prove that you're right just to get your name in National Geographic. And, and then he just walks away, doesn't he? Yes. And you kind of, again, you think, that mayor is just, just an asshole. Yes. It's going to happen. It has happened. We've seen the evidence and in the previous scene about two minutes ago. And again, you're just denying it. And that's when it clicks onto the 4th of July when... The boats arrive and hundreds and hundreds of tourists or shark food get off the boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And once again, I mean, at the arcades, we see all the people there. We, uh, some kids, another slight foreshadowing of what's going to happen to the shark. Where some kids playing, I think, a film called, uh, not film, sorry, um, an arcade game called Shark Attack where you shoot sharks. And we get a very similar shot of him shooting one of the sharks, which obviously ends up being what, what, what Brody does, obviously, um, to a dear old Jaws, Bruce, whatever you want to call him at the end of the film, and it's a bit like, you see all these people there, you see them in the water, you know something's going to happen, uh, and it's only a matter of time, despite all the safety checks, despite the helicopter. Yeah, and the thing that annoyed me is, you know the helicopter goes up ahead, hmm. and the mayor is even annoyed at that, isn't he? He seems annoyed at all this intrusive security that's being put on. Yeah, you see the boats out the front, um, about a couple of hundred yards off the shore, as you say, you've got a helicopter coming over. Brody's walking up and down the beach on a radio. Uh, the mayor's pissed off of all this inconvenience that could possibly save people's lives, isn't he? Yes. And again, you get teasers to something's going to happen. And the first one's those two kids who um, have got the uh, the shark's fin and they're swimming in the water with a shark's fin, just playing a joke. But before that, which, another thing, and again, I think it's the great character of the mayor, is where people aren't going in the sea, and so he encourages <laughs> some of his, um, yeah. like, the committee just, yeah. to go in the sea. And this geezer doesn't want to go in. He says, I've just put suntan lotion on. But then he goes in the sea, and not only does he go in, he takes his wife and his two children and with him. they look terrified. Yeah. yeah, and the mayor kind of rubs his hands together as if, result, this is great. And you think, you utter bastard. Do you know, I was thinking, why doesn't the mayor go in? At that point, I was thinking, why don't you bloody get in the water? Yeah, he's he trying to get everything. yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. The mayor doesn't even go in, and no one even says to the mayor, you go in. <laughs> it, you know what? I, I, I think, viewing that film, had the mayor gone in and got eaten, it probably would have been cheered. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been at the time. But, yeah, I, I just when, when he brought his kids in as well, I, I, at least you go in on your own if you had any worries. You would be such a pussy to bring your wife and kids in. But I just thought, bloody hell. And um, that just really, really annoyed me. But as I said, those kids have the, um, like the fin. And and is it, does that fin cause panic? Does that cause everyone to run out? Yeah, yeah. They they run out, I think they run out of the water and uh, basically all the boats come and it's, you almost got like a small army pointing guns and everything at this uh, fin. Yeah. And in a kind of way, that's right. Because, all the boats congregate over to where those two kids are, and um, well, the, the thing is, Brody's—you know—just before that happens, when Brody's little boy, because I think he's brought his son 
um, the older one, like some sort of like little bo- boat or something, hasn't he? Yeah, I think it's Sean, uh, isn't he? The older Sean, yeah. And and he says to and they're about to, Sean and his mates are about to take the boat and he goes, look, do me a favour, take it into the the creek or something, isn't it? Yeah, so, like kind of. Of what he believes to be a safer area, and they call it the pond, don't they? The pond or something, right? Yeah. And when everyone's kind of looking at those two kids with the fake fin, the shark is actually in the pond, and and that's another, you know, that's another good little t- uh, kind of a, a twist there, because you think, yeah, how when he says mentions a pond, I, I almost think of a, like a lagoon or something. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. That's and, essentially and, what it was, though, because it was attacked. It was, it's still part of the sea, but it's a very yeah. segmented part, um, you, yeah. you know, to the, of the island. Yeah, and, and you see the shark's fin, don't you? Again, you just see a little bit more of the shark. And I think that's the first time, though, we actually see the, we actually see the way they use the shark fin, which has become so anonymous now with all shark films. The shark fin coming out of the water, you know, as a sign. Yeah, because there, it's like a, it's kids in the sea and there's some guy on a boat, isn't there, and that he's the only one, I think, in Amity at that time who doesn't realise that there's a shark coming up behind him. Everyone else is screaming. And he's just in the boat, kind of just waving. It's like, why is everyone looking at me? And um, Jaws obviously tips the boat over. Again, he gets his... You you see him attacked a bit, but then you just see his foot, or his foot or leg, float into the uh, bottom of the sea, don't you? Yeah, and it's the first view we kind of get on the side of the shark, because you see the shark underwater... Yeah. Not particularly clearly, but you see him underwater, which, which I think makes it still more scary. Because, you, you know, you, you see it underwater just attacking the, the, this guy, and it, there's no, as, as Quinn stated later in, in his bit, there's like no emotion or no or no sign of anything living in this shark. It just, it's this emotionless machine almost. Yeah, but that's one hour and three minutes into the film until you see that like, quite a, a, a big piece of the shark. And when you think how many people have died... And how many warnings they've got, and how many kind of times you could have shown the shark that you wait one hour and three minutes into the film until you actually see it. Yeah, I mean, and the interesting thing is that that wasn't done on purpose initially, wasn't it? It was almost an accident by the fact that we just did not see this shark up until this point because I'm quite, it's documented quite well that the mechanical shark was not working, it didn't work very well, it kept failing, and Steven Spielberg said, I think, in the documentary, he, he, he looked to Martin Scorsese in terms of, you know, he, he had to do something around this problem, and he became very inventive, and it really brought out the best in Spielberg and, and his team of coming up with ideas, for example, like the barrels, but obviously beforehand, having the shark view, having the camera at the water level, having yeah. all these things represent the shark rather than the shark itself, which made it a, a much better film. And I think even you and I mentioned about American Werewolf. We didn't see much of the werewolf um, when we're doing our review until quite later on in the film, until the proper transformation. Um, you know, and, and it was very, very similar to, 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 to Jaws, building up the, building up the, this tension until we see it. And I felt, for many people, it's a lot scarier what you don't see than what you do see for many people. And I think this film is an example of that. Yeah, and that was taken on through many other films, horror films, thrillers, of, of the case of, again, what you don't see and leaving it to the audience's imagination can often be more powerful than what you do see. And I, and I think that's brilliant that you wait uh, over an hour until you actually do see a, a part of the shark. And I think that's credit to, to Spielberg and the imagination of what he actually wanted in his film and what he what he wanted the audience to see. Nim. So, 
Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I I think that it was great in the sense that. Um, oh, someone's got a text. <laughs> um, no, I, again, I I think I agree with you. I think not seeing the shark is a good thing because it does it build it builds it up, um, and also the fact that when you do see the shark, it's it doesn't look fake or anything because. It's, you don't see too much of it. Do you know what I mean? I think in the other in the other jaws is you see a lot more of the shark, and it just. It, I mean, let's face it. It's going to be a, it's it's going to be either a CGI or a fake shark. So if you see too much of it, you're going you're going to start seeing inconsistencies, and you're going to think this just doesn't it doesn't look right. It's a joke. Yeah, like, that, like, like deep, yeah, absolutely. Like no, a deep blue sea, you see this. So a lot, a lot. Some of the scenes where the shark CGI and it just looked really bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't any green screen or anything like this. It was just the mechanical shark and camera angles and people's imagination, which I think gives a lot of credit to the film. And from the shark attacks that have happened, the next thing you see is in the hospital, isn't it? Where for the first time, Brody really grows a set of balls and virtually drags the mayor into a cubicle and gets him to sign the contract for Quint to go and uh, kill the shark, which leads to like, the the last kind of third of the film, where which is just all set in, set in the sea and just on the orc of the boat, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and um, yeah, it, it's like the first third. And the, and the film suddenly changes pace. I mean, uh, to to almost, uh, I think, um, John, to John Williams's credit, he said it was almost becomes a pirate adventure film type thing with the, with, the, with them on the high seas, obviously hunting this shark. Yeah, yeah, and I think before they go out in there, it's really interesting. You get that kind of cockfight between Quint and Hooper when they meet, when they're getting all the equipment together. Um, they go into Quint's kind of not his house, but where he boils the bones and everything like that. And he chucks him a bit of rope and tells him to tie a knot. Mm. And it, it's kind of really testing his knowledge and the, the fact that I've been out on the sea for ages and you're just a young kid and you're not good enough to, to catch a shark and you don't know what you're doing. And it, it's a real kind of like macho cockfight between the two of them, isn't there? And Brody's just in the middle thinking, fucking hell, I've got to spend how many days on a boat with yes. you two comparing well, Brody- dick sizes throughout it all. Brody even says at some point he goes, "Oh, we're going to have to put up with this on the on the boat or something, doesn't he?" Yeah. When they're arguing, he goes, "Am I going to have to put up with this?" Um, yeah, and off camera, apparently, um, obviously, um, Robert Shaw was quite a big drinker, and he got pissed off with Richard Dreyfus going on about his past films um, and his like celebrity status. So there was quite a lot of bitchiness and arguing between the two, mm-hmm. and that was kind of reflected on film on on set when they were especially doing the part of my dick's bigger than your dick basically and I can catch this shark without you coming out of the boat with me uh, I thought that was a really good scene of the three different types of characters all together who are going to be in close proximity on a boat and you've got someone who's really ballsy in um, Quinn and you've got someone who's very confident and knowledgeable uh, of Hooper and you've got someone who's petrified of water and doesn't really want to go out there whatsoever with Brody. But even though they're so different, those three characters on their boat really did work well together. 
Yeah, they absolutely, they absolutely did. Um, and I think it's because those three characters are so different. You've got um, some, you know, the rich kid um, who who arguably can come across as a know-it-all to, to me, even though as much as I liked him. The hard-nosed, uh, obviously, 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 Quint, and the the guy, the guy in the middle, and and the amateur to all this. Um, and very much, uh, you know, where the audience is seeing through his eyes, uh, Brody, um, and, and it is brilliant. And I think all their three, the three of them, their relationship blossoms up, up obviously, and, and until the end, and it, and it really grows. And I think this is where you see all the characters doing, particularly, uh, uh, particularly Brody, but all the characters obviously completing, completing in one way or another their 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 story arc. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of that Nim when they were all first together? Um, well, well, when they're first out on the boat, I think they're all kind of learning each other's kind of little things, aren't they? Because you've got um, Quint, who's who's constantly snapping at Hooper. He's like, it, 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 I mean, I have to say that was probably my favourite bit that, that 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 last sequence of them being out on the ship because ship or boat. Because Hooper is just um, Quint's constantly just going Hooper, Hooper, yeah. you know, Hooper, turn left. You, you know, Hooper, are you stupid or something? And it's just, yes. and even Hooper's making funny faces, like, like a, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, and he just, it's, it's those little kind of comedy moments. You just think it's like a, a, a boy's, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing we need to do, guys. We need to get a boat and go start hunting. You're on your own, there, Nim. <laughs> but Nim, the fact that you can't swim, Nim, I mean, I mean, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, bro. You can't swim. Stu's <laughs> un, <laughs> unfit. Great, uh, great. I don't know. I don't Graham's know what... got sports skills. Graham. Graham's got sports skills, but he won't be turning up. Um... No, Graham. Won't, his girlfriend won't let him go, or he's got a fit of fridge in that day. Well, there's no internet on the boat, so he can't go. I really don't know. But yeah, no. I just think it's it, there's some really really good moments there because you see them. You know, they're they're kind of working together as a team, like a unit, like how you know, like um, like the trawler fishermen would be doing. You know, each one's got a task to do, and they've got to do it. And even Brody. I think Brody, um, you know, he's the chief of police and he's a police officer that's out there. But on the ship, I think Quint even says to him before they go, he goes, you know, I'm I'm the captain, um, yeah. and and you know, you know, his ship rolls, and you can see that on the boat when he's like chucking all that kind of dead fish shit out into the sea, and you can see Brody's like kind of heaving, um, and you know, Quint's barking out orders to both of Hooper and Brody saying, this is what you need to do, that's what you need to do. And it's a nice little progression because you kind of see them become quite close in that as well at, at one yeah. point. I think from the start of it, when they're putting, this, yeah, they're putting the stuff on the boat and every bit of equipment that Hooper's putting on the boat, Quint is just taking a piss and saying, yeah. what's that for? What's that yeah. for? Yeah. Why do we need that? <laughs> you kind of think, man alive, he's, just, he's not getting any break. And the, the first bit of tension on the boat is when they're just sitting there and they've got the fishing reels out the back. And it's just very quiet, very still. And that reel starts to click, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. And you kind of think, right, this is it. What's going to happen? Are you going to see the shark? And then he straps himself in and that reel's going mad. And uh, again, even at that part, when the shark starts to go under the boat, Hooper's telling him to let it go, cut the line. And, and Quint's telling him to shut up and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So... Even then, they still got the uh, the feeling of I want to catch the shark. No, I want to catch the shark, and you won't do it this way. You'll do it my way. And I like that bit of tension they've got there, and it's definitely you kind of got the 
I'm going to prove you wrong, and this is the way we're going to do it. And I think in the end, the shark just goes, doesn't it? That's it. It's just it, too powerful. It doesn't. I, and um, I think it's a bit um, of a, in terms of Quint for foreshadowing. I think pride comes before a fall because it's his. Or not not quite. Either he's too proud or he's arrogant. He doesn't want any help. Later on, which obviously gets them all into big trouble, and uh, you know, makes a rod for his own back, doesn't he, Quint? Eventually, um, and and that's the first time we properly see that, though. Yeah, then the next scene, you're seeing Brody Frame jump off the side of the boat. Yes. Uh, he's bitching. And I, when I saw this last night, I, had to, I, I knew it was coming, obviously, but I still got really excited because it's just the line afterwards with regards to you're going to need a bigger boat. Bigger boat, yeah. Yeah, it was improvised as well. It wasn't scripted in. And it's just such a good line. And you see the shark obviously coming up and the size of it. And it it still looks so realistic. I was looking for kind of like defects and things on it that were were wrong or out of character that I would have noticed now. Trying to just review it, and I just couldn't see anything. It was absolutely brilliant the way it came up, the sheer shock on Brody's face, and the way he just walks back. And we're going to need a bigger boat, and he says. We're getting a bigger boat, aren't we? He says that a lot, doesn't he? From, yeah, he goes, yeah we're going to get a bigger boat, aren't we? How do we handle this? It just has the <laughs> disbelief that the shark is this big. And it almost seems, when you see the aerial view, nearly just as big as the boat, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's 25 foot. They mentioned yeah. that. And I think that's how that's how actually big the model was as well, the full-size the full size model. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, they shoot one of the barrels into it, which is a really good scene as well. Because that's something... When I was younger, I, I'd never seen before, and even though you know where the shark's going to be when the barrels come up, it still adds to that tension. Once the barrel starts going towards the boat, you think, "Shit, what's going to happen now?" And it, it's great. I mean, there's different moments of tension or different levels of tension throughout the like the part from when they go on the boat to hunting the shark, and it's really, really good. And that goes on to. Because the shark goes down and they don't see it, and it's just gone, and then it skips on to the uh, the drinking scene at night time on the boat, which again is such a classic scene. It's it's absolutely brilliant. They're all sitting there, pissed up, and the first time this was actually um, shot, that as I said earlier, um, Robert Shaw was quite a big drinker, that he asked permission to get pissed for that scene, and. Uh, so he could actually do the part properly. But he got so pissed, he couldn't actually speak and read any of his fucking lines. So they had to leave it until he sobered up. And in the end, he ended up um, shooting it sober. But I thought that was great. Any excuse to get annihilated. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think to many people, um, that was, in terms of, I think, acting, it was definitely one of the best scenes, better scenes Mm. in the in the, I, th- I, think, I think someone mentioned in one of the documentaries that to this day that's one of the best directed scenes by Steven Spielberg as well. Well, yeah. the guys getting pissed up and having a little chat and that. Yeah, and obviously you've got um and, and, and specifically you got um them comparing scars and obviously then yeah. suddenly you see obviously Quint kind of almost accepting Hooper when Hooper was going on about each of their scars and. Uh, and uh, and we also learn in that pivotal scene about um, why uh, Quint does not like sharks and is almost yeah. at war yeah. at war with him with his story about the um the, the I think the USS Indianapolis which uh, yeah. which actually did which did happen 
Yeah, um, and that it, part of the the film, it, it, the script wasn't written by um, a, or Spielberg and from the book. It was actually taken from a survivor who was on the Indianapolis um, who wanted them to write down his experience and they used his experience and they were speaking from his experience of actually being in the sea and surviving that. And when people saw that in a cinema, that a lot of people, it was like a um, Saving Private Ryan moment. They were in tears and they thanked Spielberg it was done so well because um, Robert Shaw actually said it and expressed it and the feelings he used was just so realistic and the way it was. And I think that's credit to to Robert Shaw and also credit to the, the people who's been there who've shared their experiences. I think, you know, that, that part, like you say, is, is from Survivor's um, story. Just looking at the goose thing, I think what's probably happened, though, is they've bastardised that story because just looking at this kind of goofy bit, it says that the story wasn't 100% accurate. I mean, it's little things like the Indianapolis wasn't returning from where Quint says it was. it, it had two missions to do. It wasn't so secretive that it didn't have a homing beacon. It, they did have a homing beacon. Um, and I think what else was there? It, it says, it talks about the, um, the shark, you know, where they said a lot of the survivors got eaten by sharks. Um, in, in fact, a lot of the survivors died um, through the survivors heat. Survivors died. <laughs> the, 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 the survivors of the, the boat when it sunk, when they were floating around. You <laughs> Uh, what am I saying? I don't know. Well, you said a lot of the survivors who died. It's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, you're sticking you, with you the know, survivor you know dying I'm... theme, then. Yeah, but the, the guys that were just floating about, they they ended up dying through the sea because apparently they were covered in oil, and the oil was reflecting the um, the sun, and that's what killed them, as opposed to the sharks. So it, it's just those little things. It's obviously someone's bloody gone into it and said, "Oh, this is not all accurate." Yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't imagine that that many people actually um, died from being attacked by sharks because it was it, it would be just an, an insane number of people to actually to die from shark attacks because they said in there that um, was it eleven thousand people on board or went in the sea? One thousand, I think eleven hundred, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, and um, three hundred and sixteen. Um, were fished out. I mean, that's 784 people who were attacked by sharks, which obviously wouldn't happen. By the way, Stuart, well done on that quick maths. Well, my maths is strong. My reading isn't the strong point. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, but I mean, I don't know how where the people get the information from, from INDB, but in the documentary that was watched, it was actually from a survivor. So I should imagine an element of that was true because he put his point over with regards to his story of what actually happened. Yeah, photophobia. So, but, I don't know if anyone knows what that means. What what that is? It says um, even at dawn, uh, the men suffered photophobia from the sun reflecting off the oil, which covered them and the water. Right. Further, further, there were no shark attacks on day one after the sinking. Uh, I mean, I think whatever yeah. way we look at it, though, I think that was it, was. it was good. It was good. It was still, yeah, it's still one of the best scenes in terms of acting um, in the film. In you know, for for, for me, and it, and it, it's it's still probably 
one of the most emotional ones as well. Um, the, the the fact that you go through all these emotions, they're having they're having a laugh, they're laughing about the scars, and Quint tells this very cold and scary story, obviously about what happened on the U.S. Indianapolis, and it sounds absolutely horrible. And then you re- you really start to begin to understand why Quint does not like these sharks and why he is who he is if if he's seen things like this. And then obviously um, we've got the classic "Tell me the way to go home." I'm tired. I don't want to go to bed. Song. Um, yeah, quality. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they, they, you felt that they really are bonded, and unfortunately this whole bonding session is interrupted by a yellow barrel. Yeah, the shark starts ramming the boat, doesn't it? What do you think about the shark ramming the boat? With regards to realism. I think... I, I, I don't know. Would a great white ram a boat? No, I, 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 don't, I don't think it would, but I think at this point, we're, I think we're beyond the, the, the shark acting naturally, and it's almost... The shark is is hunting them, whatever whether whether they're going to be in a boat or mm. or or not, and he, and he and he takes offense to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the few things where you kind of have to suspend your disbelief to a certain to, to a certain degree with with this shark attacking this <laughs> attacking the boat. I mean, maybe he's upset about having a barrel stuck in him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, yeah, you have to kind of you've invested so much time in it, and you're. You know this is the the last kind of not not scene, but the last part of the film that's really gonna happen. It's gonna end on the boat one way or another, but I kind of the shark swimming forwards then backwards and ramming the boat, I kind of thought Yeah, it's uh it's a bit strange, but as you say, it's the sharks now really hunting them and targeting them. So I suppose you as you say, you suspend your own disbelief and just go along with it, don't you? Yeah, it's, still, it's it's not completely way out there though, is it? I mean, everything else in the film is being so quite consistent and realistic. You 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 you're kind of willing to just accept this. You don't. I mean, that that ram in the boat bit didn't bother me in the slightest. I thought, okay, well, it, you know, that's what the shark's going to do. It's going to start, you know, chasing them now, and it does. I think in, later in the film, it, it starts chasing them because they're chasing the shark. Then all of a sudden, it, the the, it, the the cards are turned and. And the shark starts chasing them. So, and this is the start, obviously, because it damages the boat quite significantly. That it starts mm. to let water in. Yeah, yeah. And Brody slips back, and his, go- his back goes into the water, and that must be quite a terrifying moment, knowing that the boat's sinking, and you're kind of laying back in the water that seeps into the boat. Uh, that was quite creepy. I felt I kind of got shivers when I saw that part. And they shoot another barrel into the... Um, well, not shoot another barrel into the shark. They shoot a shark and attach another barrel, don't they? Yep. And he still and goes down. Yeah, and Brody gets the radio and shouts out, Mayday, Mayday, and Quinn just grabs a baseball smashes bat. Smashes it up, yeah. Smashes it up. Yes. That's when you see Quinn, because I think... You know when Quinn's talking about the, the attack that had happened when he was in the army and stuff, and you think, you know, wh- where is this story going? But I think at that point, do you remember when he gets the life jackets and stuff? I think... Quint's already kind of um, resigned to the fact that they're not going home. It's either him or the shark. Um, well, Quint doesn't and, put one on, does he? He just gives one no. to Hooper and Brody. Well, that yeah. was quite interesting. Because I think in the he story, did say he said, yeah. I wish I never put a life jacket on. It was the worst thing because to him, putting that life jacket in on surviving is worse than just drowning because you're then waiting to be eaten. I think that's, yeah. what, that's how I read into it anyway. But That's what I did. It's exactly the same as well, yeah. I thought that was really, really good that they actually touched on that and they kept with that as well. 
and him, and, yeah, and him smashing the radio up, Quinn not wanting any help. Once again, he's 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 obviously uh, sealing his own doom there, isn't he? Which obviously eventually happens. Yeah, and for me, that was the first kind of moment of panic from Quint through the whole film that he, he smashes that radio up, and it's he's basically resigned himself to the fact that if I don't kill this shark, this shark is going to kill me. And before, he was quite cool and confident that I can land the shark and give me three a day and ten and I'll catch it and I'll bring it home for you. But you almost got the impression that he's resigned himself to the fact that this shark isn't going to stop. It's not like any normal shark that I've been after and chances no. are this shark could kill me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think specifically, when after despite after the second barrel, when he goes down, uh, it focuses on fit, on Quint's face, who's in utter, well, not quite shock, but shock slash disbelief that the shark is actually able to stay down despite the two barrels, despite everything they've been through up, up to that point. Um, and he, yeah, 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 I think you're right. He has res- he has resigned himself to well, his other human shark. Brody even says to it, I don't know if it's Brody or Hooper, so someone says, "Has this ever happened before? Does you know, is this how it, you know, does the shark behave this way or?" You know, can it stay down with three barrels? And you see Quint's face when it it, sh- it has a close up of his face, and he's like, "No, it's never happened before." And I think yeah, at that point, exactly, because he shoots three barrels into him, and he says, "No, no sharks have ever been down with three barrels." And bang, the shark goes. And Quint's like, oh, "I haven't got a fucking clue now." Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. have I'm we lost. got any more barrels? What's the next plan? We're in trouble. We're in trouble. <laughs> But yeah, and, and you kind of get that impression that not that you lose confidence in Quint, but he's given it his best shot with the barrels, and I don't really, I don't know what the plan with the barrels were, whether they were just to to track the shark or they were to track the shark. But I think the idea being that the barrels, a bit like when you put try and put a float down in a swimming pool, it's quite difficult. The barrel's going to force the shark up and tire him out almost. You know, yeah, right, and he says that, doesn't he? he yeah. Says that, um... Well, they keep the barrels on them to keep them at a, a certain level, like close to the surface as poss- possible. Um, yeah. And then they drag the shark in. That, I think that was the plan. But and that's when it goes tits up because they tie the um, the floats to the back of the boat, don't they? And then obviously the shark starts dragging the boat backwards. Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, and uh, clearly, clearly, I, th- I think this is the end of Quinn's plan. We see it hasn't worked. And yeah. then obviously Hooper, 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 a man's up. Uh, it's his turn to to, to, to try yeah. in the cage, and and we get once again one of the uh, another very exciting scene. When yeah, obviously, but before that, I I didn't really understand why when Hooper was um, booting the boat, not sorry, Hooper when Quint was booting, booting the boat, that they were telling him to slow down, that the engine's going to go, but he just ignored them, and the engine just went. And I couldn't understand why he did that. Mm. I, I couldn't understand any logic in in doing that. I know he said he's going to bring the boat, um, the shark into shore and drown it in um, shallow water. But they were saying the engine's going to go, the engine's going to go, you've got to slow down. And he could clearly hear them. And he was just singing one of his songs to himself. And the engine just went, it overheated. Uh, and I didn't know why he did that. Did, did you guys have any idea why he'd, why he'd do that at all? I... I um... My take on it was just, just shows that, I mean, his character was one of these guys that he just thought he knew, you know, he was the king of the seas, wasn't he? He, he knew everything about um, out in the sea and how to catch a shark. And he just, you know, if, if Hooper said anything to him, it, he would do the complete opposite. And I think that's what it was. 
I think that's that's all that all that 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 scene was trying to portray that this guy thinks he knows better than everybody else in terms of when it comes to controlling a little you know a little boat and doing a, a shark fishing exercise he he's the man and don't you know don't try and tell him what he needs to what needs to be done you know yeah yeah what did what impression did you get jay from that um, I, I I think it was his, his own yeah as him say it was his own it was his own his own petulance um, and uh, it's um because he he did, he did in his head he did have a plan to, you know drown drown the shark in the shallow water but I think he's just resigned himself um not that he's he's, he's given up I, I I think he's almost starting to go crazy as yeah. well because I think in his head he kind of thinks he's the, the sharks defeated him, and that's never that's never really happened. Yeah, yeah, I just wondered. That's when, as you say, they um, they start to build a shark tank, and again, that's the first time that Quinn actually shows any interest in uh, what Hooper's doing and the the stuff mm. that the toys he's brought onto the boat with regards to the um, like the the poison stick that he's going to stick into the shark, and, and it's he's never shown any interest whatsoever so I thought that was pretty good and it goes to show a sign of the desperation as well that um, Quint's clearly run out of ideas yeah it's fine I've done everything I can do Hooper what have you got and if you think it'll work let's do it and that's what they do they get the shark tank out and build the shark tank and Quint um, sorry Hooper being the the complete madman he is agrees to then go in the tank and um, well just leave himself (laughs) exposed to the elements of what the shark can do you've already seen that he can bring three barrels underwater and the power that he's got but they've got no choice really the engine's gone and they've one of them's got to go in the sea it's not going to be Brody I know that for a fact (laughs) no no (laughs) he gets the least wet uh, up until I think up until the end doesn't he Um, so so yeah and and he gets he gets lowered down and obviously uh, we we get we get a couple we get at least one good scare out out of it um because he's there, and you can clearly see the shark coming towards him. You got the John Williams music going, yeah, um, yeah. and then and then suddenly the shark disappears, and then that's obviously when we get the scare, where it all goes eerily quiet, and and you're waiting for it. But <laughs> I was still a bit shocked when it happened suddenly, when the yeah. obviously he comes he comes out the, uh, the, the the you know the, the dark water and smashes that cage. Yeah, and he really smashes that cage so much to the fact that he actually takes the front of it off, and he's got his whole nose in the cage, isn't he? Yeah. And That's I thought, scary. I thought Hooper had died when I first watched this when I was um, younger. I thought that was it. He was gone. I didn't realise that he'd come back later on, not really to play any part in it, but that was his effectively his part over in the film, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and uh, he, but he, get, he gets out. He get he drops. He obviously drops. Obviously, um, the, the spear with with you know the the poison tip or anything that would potentially kill the shark. And he swims away, and that 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 was him done. And that's obviously when the shark um, decides to uh, jump on the boat almost, and uh, and it's it ends up being the beginning of the end for Quinn. But that's such for me. Uh, I think that's the 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 best death in the scene. Not that I want Quinn to go. It's very sad, but no, in terms but this, of the way it's, it's shot, kind of a. But it's a fitting end for him to go that way, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I mean, what's so scary is he's got 
<laughs> they're both holding on. The, the the boat's at an angle when 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 the, the shark obviously attacks it. Um, Chief, Chief Mr. Brody's all right, but then Quinn obviously struggles. He lets go, and you know it's almost only a matter of time. But he's he's kicking, he's kicking, he's yeah. trying to he's trying to stop going into the mouth mouth of the shark, and obviously eventually he does. And it's 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 and you're waiting for the inevitable as a yeah. viewer of the film, and it's just it's just so horrific. And then when he does. Yeah, oh, it, it is. It is quite sad, but as you think, as you said, I think it is. It is almost a fitting end, and the end of of, of Quint, one of the yeah. one of the best characters in the in the uh, in the film. But I was I was not sad, obviously, about obviously about his passing. No, it is quite a graphic scene. I mean, you see the shark chewing him, yep. and then you see the blood kind of being spat out of his mouth. Yes, and you see the shark um, the shark just go back and drag him off the boat and he's kind of motionless and they're both sucked under the water. And yeah. The absolute fear that Brody must have been going through, believing that um, Quint's dead, Hooper's dead. He's the only one on this boat. He's got nothing. And he's next. Boat, yeah, the boat's sinking and <laughs> that's it. And um, the shark goes for him next, doesn't it? It does. Interestingly, um, I, I don't know whether it's... A, when the shark sinks in the water with Quint, is it... I couldn't see whether it was a dummy or quit or not, because obviously you've got this remote-controlled shark, potentially, and the a- an actor in the mouth of it going underwater. I, th- I think for anyone, even filming it, that is potentially quite scary if it wasn't indeed a dummy for that scene. Cause it's still I don't like... know, because they had about th- had three orca boats, didn't they? Yes. That they were using, and um, they had a lot of divers underwater with oxygen, so it wouldn't have surprised me of how far they'd gone um, with people's deaths i mean if they're willing to they pulled that young boy under the water didn't they from the lino when he died and they all said those guys putting that lady left and right and under when she died so it wouldn't surprise me where uh, the sharks were on a mechanical crane weren't they Mm. so when the the crane goes down and pulls the shark back under whether they had people waiting under with oxygen um just to make it more realistic Bearing yeah. in mind the, the agony and pain that they've gone in to make this entire film, and they were close to finishing it. Yeah, yeah. going over budget, uh, I think tri- triple the amount, and uh, a six months worth of shooting when it was only going to be what more than maybe a couple. They um, said it was something like seventy-eight days worth of shooting or something, didn't they? And there was sixty odd yeah, days initially. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it turned from three million budget into just under ten million, and. Yeah, I think they would have just done anything to to get this film finished and make it look as realistic. But the shark obviously comes in and breaks through the uh, the side of the boat and through the window as yep. the boat's sinking. And that's when it leads to the famous scene. He, he gets the oxygen tank, which is um, pointed out by Hooper earlier when he brings it onto the boat. But be careful. He goes, they'll explode. And Quint even says, what are you going to do? Make the shark eat it. Ah, I didn't actually that. notice that. I completely—I yeah. I mean, I must have obviously heard it, but I didn't really—it didn't really click. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when um, Brody slips, doesn't he? And yes, that's it. Up, yeah. And they roll down, and he says, "Careful!" He goes, "That's compressed oxygen." He goes, "They'll explode." And uh, he says, well, "What are you going to do? Is the shark going to eat it or something?" And ah. you kind of think, "Ah, there you go, there you go." There's another little bit in there that they drop in. And I just think that's the the ending of the film. I just thought was brilliant. What did you think, Nim? But uh, well, I mean, uh, the ending. I think it was a classic scene, isn't it? When he says, um, "Come and get it, you, you son smile, of a smile, 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 yeah. you son of a." Yeah, I mean, it's, that's that's a classic classic scene. And I think 
like you say, at that point in the film, you genuinely believe it's just him. I mean, having it, yeah. half of the boat, more than half of the boat is underwater. He's sit, standing on the mast or kind of like laying across the mast. You've Sinking big, still, yeah. Yeah, you've got a 25-foot shark coming right at you. Um, and, you know, I don't know how many rounds he's got left in that rifle. He's, he's got to try and hit that gas cylinder. I, I think that's that's a, an excellent climax um, it is. to the film. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was amazing. I mean, you got the shot. You know it's him with the shark. Um, you know, um, you got the music going along with it. You, you've got the tension, obviously, of him missing the first few shots and the shark getting closer and closer. And you know, once the shark gets to him, it's game over. And obviously, you got, as he said to him, you've got that classic last smile, you son of a. And then, yeah, yeah. pretty much just as he says the B word, it, it, we, we see that explosion uh, yeah. destroying the shark. Um, and I think that they, they put lots of uh, stuff inside, obviously, the, the head of the mechanical shark to, 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 to do that explosion. One of the sharks. Um, I think I think loads of octopus stuff or something. Someone was saying to make it look good when it exploded. You said to make it all like the blood and guts going out, going yeah. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. uh, and I, I remember the first time watching it is when after that had all finished and you see Brody kind of just with a sigh of relief and you see Hooper pop back up. I remember jumping at that point the first time yes. the kid watching because so I was thinking. Shit, it's another shark. That's exactly what I thought when I was, when I was younger. I thought, it's not over, it's not over. And, uh, yeah, it, it was panic in my eyes. And when I saw that, I thought, <laughs> shit, he's dead now, he's going to die. But uh, yeah, to the relief of everyone, especially Brody, it's uh, Upru pops up who's been hiding. But yeah, I thought it was absolutely, I thought it was brilliant. Oh, really, yeah. really good. Yeah, I thought everything, I thought throughout the whole film, the tension that was kept through the film, the the fact that the hatch is a mechanical shark, the problems they had that they couldn't use the shark, so they had to go back and rely on people's imagination using the uh, like the box camera that they could put in the water, and just all the problems they had throughout this whole film, and the fact that they used Spielberg, whose only other film he did before that was Jewel, that the, the pressure on him throughout all of this, financial and through the time span, it's such a, an amazing film and it still holds I think to this current day I think so too there's, I think so too sorry Nim I was just going to say just on the IMDB I mean there's somebody on here that's saying that this is the film that kind of made Steven Spielberg you know he yes. kind of came into his own after this one so and I can see why <laughs> um, and obviously before we obviously get the ratings I've got here if you want to hear it 13 key differences between Jaws the book and the film and to me, it proves that the book isn't always better. Yeah. Um, yeah okay, I, I mean, the first one we got, Brody, uh, this is from the book, uh, Brody and his wife, uh, Ellen, they missed the swanky life they had, uh, she had before marrying marrying Brody. And obviously in the film, we've got Brody and his wife uh, banter about dialects uh, and suggesting that they get drunk and fall around, meaning their marriage is obviously happier in the film than the book. And in the book, um, Hooper is a well-to-do Ivy League maniac, um, which is not quite the the Hooper we get, the Richard Dreyfuss um, Hooper. Hooper and Ellen in the book, interest, they have an affair. Um, he is the younger brother of a guy she once dated, including CD liaisons at, uh, in an out-of-town motel. And obviously in the film, Hooper and Ellen have, have dinner with Brody, um, and there, there is some kind of flirting on there, but nothing obviously uh, hinting towards an affair. Deputy Hendricks pulled the shark tooth from Ben Gardner's uh, dry-docked boat in the book. 
and he doesn't drop it, okay. where Hooper does. Um, also in the book, uh, Mayor Vaughan is under pressure from the Mafia to keep the beaches open. The mob have invested in Amity, Amity's real estate, and they want to keep the value sky high. Obviously in the film, Mayor Vaughan is under pressure from the uh, local businesses. Um, and I think at one point, um, the uh, the mob pressure even Brody, and they end up killing his cat, I think, in the book. I remember, <laughs> I remember reading somewhere. Newspaper man Harry Meadows, uh, one of the newspaper men, they have a much bigger role in the film, hushing up the shark attack, uncovering Mayor Vaughan's underworld connections, and uh, hire, and they, they hire um, the uh, Matt Hooper. Obviously, the newspaper man in, in the film has a very much sm- has a much smaller role. Brody tries to strangle Hooper on deck in the book due to suspicions of the affair. Obviously not happening. Um, yeah. so uh, yeah it would have been a different film if they would have gone with that I know Quint shoots beer cans on deck using a makeshift skeet launcher and he taunts Hooper for not joining in um, that's obviously in the book and obviously we we get um, obviously uh, with the beer cans uh, the, the interesting scene uh, with Quint crushing the beer can and then Hooper crushing yeah. his styrofoam cup which always made me laugh um, <laughs> Quint uses illegally caught unborn dolphin as a bait and Brody obviously using the fish guts. The orca comes home each night in the book, but obviously not in the film. Hooper is killed in the shark cage in the book, uh, and obviously Hooper escapes the shark cage in the film. Two yeah. more, two more, two more um, differences. Uh, Quint is killed by Quint in the book is killed by drowning. He, he is dragged underwater after harpooning the shark, and his foot gets caught in the rope. And Quint is killed by the shark uh, by eating him in the film. Um, and the last one being the shark dies by harpoon-inflicted wounds just as he is about to chomp Brody. And obviously the shark dies, the smile, you son of a bitch. Um, it's kind of like that, the way who, who gets caught on the boat, um, on the shark? Did you say Quint, Quint? Quint dies by getting caught. Um, he's dragged underwater after harpooning the shark, getting his foot caught in the rope. So it's Not kind as, of like, who is that, like Captain Ahab and Moby Dick, is yes, it? Yes, yeah. Um, and interestingly, I think when you look at the book and the way the film is, for me, I appreciate I haven't read all the book. I've actually read the first couple of chapters years back. Um, but I think, by, by looking at that, I, I'm quite... I think the film, in this case, potentially, is a lot better than the book. I would not have wanted that in my Jaws film. No, and it's an adaptation, isn't it? And yeah. Which is obviously, you take segments from the book and you adapt it into a, a great film so yeah and it is a great film yeah i think it's brilliant i mean i i wouldn't have wanted them to change anything knowing the elements they've got in the book i would i think it would have um taken the attention off the the lead characters especially if had the, the mafia been involved as well well it's would have been a bit silly yeah it would have been a bit daft for me but no, I mean it's it's a great book it was a number one seller the book was wasn't it yeah i think it's pete is it peter betchley Yes, Peter Benchley, I think. Peter Benchley. Peter Benchley, yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was actually on set, and uh, apparently he was quite annoyed, I think, um, uh, about the ending that wasn't the same. Oh, right. uh, the way they killed the shark. So, I'm sure but he I, ate his own words once he realised people were queuing around the blocks 16 times to, to go and see the yeah. film. And, yeah, I um, it's great. So, so I, I mean, I mean, and here we obviously we obviously get to what we what we really think about the film. Um, I mean, Jaws. Uh, I'll go first. If that's all right. I'm I'm giving it a five. Uh, my, I Before think. Before you my, go on that, Joe, yep. I'm just looking. And at the end of the book, yes. it's actually Graham who kills the shark. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it, it isn't Quint or Brody or Hooper. I'm looking. It's Graham who actually ends up killing the shark. So, well done, Graham. 
Well done, well done. By, by putting the fridge, by stuffing a fridge in the shark's mouth <laughs> and chewing it. Stuffing a fridge. <laughs> what, why a fridge? Why, why a fridge? <laughs> he does it, by the, he does it by the seeing at Orpington. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I, I think Graham's going to cry when he listens to this, isn't he? <laughs> we do miss you, Graham, and we value you. <laughs> Go for it, James. Sorry, I, I no, no. I'm giving it. I'm giving it a five. Um, my uh, my best bit is probably. Um, I, th- I think the, the three characters and how strong those three those three characters are. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. The wor- the worst bit. I, I don't think I really have a, a selling out a worst bit. Um, I think the if I if I was forced to put a worst bit, I think it's it's because of you, Stu, because you you reminded me of point towards the fact that at some it's so good, but at some point you almost have to suspend your disbelief a bit, and maybe maybe some I don't really want to. Be, suspend my disbelief because I was, I was enjoying the film so much. So if I'm forced to pick a worse bit, um, and I will, um, it, it's probably it's it's potentially the the first attack, obviously on on the boat. But then I quit very quickly get used to it. So I'm being a bit of a hypocrite, I guess. But that's probably my worst bit. But I loved the three characters. I think really really made made that film. It made you care about them as well a lot. Yeah, Nim. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> He's never uh, going to leave that down, is he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd also probably give, I'd give it five out of five, and I think for me the best bit is the. That's going to sound exactly what James is saying. The, the three characters, but for me that, that that little scene where they're in the boat having a drink and having a laugh, and I think that's really good. Or or, the, or even the whole sequence or when they just go out in the boat, because that's something I I would love to do with you guys one day, go out in a boat and hunt for a shark. Um, that was my favourite bit. Um, this this so, might well be I, our I, last podcast. Be I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't have a worse bit in this film. I, I, every single bit of the film is, I thought was great. Yeah. I, I think I'd give it, I'd give it a five purely because um, the last in memory, the way it scarred me from watching it all those years ago, the fear I've still got of going in the sea and that it's just such a great film. And for all this time, I could recommend it to someone um, of younger years who's not seen it. And knowing the effect that it would have on them. And I think films like that are absolutely priceless. I think it's so good. I think it's such a good film. And you watch it and you can't believe, apart from the clothes and hairstyles and fashions, that... It is 1975, and it's such a brilliant film altogether. The tension, the characters, I think it's great. And uh, my favourite bit um, for me is the uh, the part where Jaws comes up first of all and says, you're going to need a bigger boat. I think that's such a good line. And I look forward to seeing that so much when I watched it last night. Um, and I, I can't really pick a, a worse bit. I mean, I, I've had to be really, really critical um, for review, it would have to be just a part of the the shark ramming the boat. But as Jay said, you get over that in a matter of seconds, and you're right into the next scene of what's going to happen next. But for me, it's a five. It's a I highly recommend it to anyone, and it's a, a brilliant film. And I'd happily watch it again in well, give it a couple of weeks. I could sit and watch it again easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've got I've got a text message from Graham. Um, uh, uh, basically, his thoughts on the film. Um, I'll read it out if you if you guys want. Yes. Um, okay, it's a cult classic. However, 
I've only ever watched it a handful of times, and it gets boring very quickly. The story is very loose. However, the direction is really good, with the use of music and camera angles adding to the suspense. Hopefully, there aren't sharks in the UK that big. Um, uh, don't don't really have a lot to say about it, as it didn't stir much emotion. An easy watch, but not really a regular watch, or one I would reach for too often. That's why I only rented it from iTunes. Worst bit was the fishing scene at the end. Best bit, the attack scenes at the beginning. So he didn't like, obviously, the awkward bit, um, I think, when they went fishing. He gave it a three out of five. You are kidding me. I I'm, can't. Oh, my God. oh, I know. I don't know when Graham will be on next. Maybe episode 25. Oh. It, it all depends what people's <laughs> kitchens, appliances are like. But uh, we'll bring this up. Episode 11, we will talk about this and discuss this further, folks. Yeah. And Guys, if you agree... Have... Sorry, go, go ahead. Go. No, I was just going to say, just out of interest, what, what, was the rate, what was the rating on this film? Well, I, we're saying it's a 12 on the DVD, but I'm pretty sure it was at least a 15 when it initially came out. When it initially came out. And... And bearing in mind what we said, I mean, I saw it way before I was 15. I must have been like, I don't know, seven or eight when I yeah, first saw it. I was it. about to say, I, I just started yeah. school, I think, the, like, the second or third year of school. Just just interestingly, I mean, when I watched it, I had to watch it at a time when the kids weren't around. And there was a part of me, and I thought, you know what, because my kids would absolutely love watching, they're well into their Sharks documentaries. But I wouldn't let them watch it um, purely because Beach would give me a good old rollicking if I did let him watch it. Um, but would, <laughs> would, and, and, and on top of that, the fact that it scarred me for life, like I, and I'm not just saying it, I, I you know, genuinely shit scared of the sea because of Jaws, I thought, do you know what? I do not want to, that crossed my mind. I thought, I do not want to make him watch it or let him watch it because it might just scare the shit out of him and he'll never want to go into the sea or swim again. Think I think of the cheap holidays have. you'll have though. They'll go camping I, instead. <laughs> I was, I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on it about kids watching it? Because I know you guys have got kids and stuff. Would you let your kids watch it now? Or yeah, what, what do you think? I'd let mine watch it. Just depends how they behaved. If they were really badly behaved and we're having a beach holiday, I'd put it on the DVD player <laughs> on, on the way to the holiday just so I knew, cause I'd know the reaction that they'd get. But um, no, I, I thought about it. Tell him it's based on a true story. Yeah, it's based on a true story, and it's set in where we go on holiday. It's set in Cornwall or Devon or here. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I thought about that. I kind of thought, I want my kids to watch it, because I, I'd love to know the effect of, it. say, if I let my kids watch it now, of when they're, say, 25 or when they're 30, of just saying to them, you still frightened again in the sea? For them to turn around and say... Yeah, Dad, it's because you put jaws on when I was eight years old or old. I'd kind of think to myself, yes, it worked. <laughs> and I'd tell him to listen to episode 10 of the film real cast and, and see if he agrees with what he say. But yeah, I, I wouldn't let him watch it yet. I'd yeah. wait a couple of years, but I wouldn't let him watch it yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, I'm thinking like maybe the early, I don't know, uh, eight, well, nine, ten, maybe. Uh, I'd say ten, yeah. Yeah. Uh, double figures, uh, but pot- <laughs> potentially. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, there we go. I, I'm glad, yeah. apart from Graham, it all, it, it all got fives. We loved it. I think Stu pretty much uh, summed it up the best, the way we all feel about the yeah. film, the fact that it hasn't really aged. We all enjoy it, and we'll quite happily, I think all of us will quite happily, watch it all again in two or three weeks' time. Just a quick note, before, before yeah. obviously we reveal the next film, what do you guys think about, about the sequels? Um, 
in order, which ones? Which way? Which ones do you think the worst? Or the best sequel is. Uh, the best sequel for me is Jaws Two. Yes, it's set in Amity, the mayor's there. It's still one of the same characters. Is it's obviously um, Hooper's not in it, but it's again, it still has the same theme. The kids are in the catamarans, are in the sea, and the way the shark dies has got the suspense. Brody again is reluctant to go out on the sea. Uh, um, the mayor's in denial. It's very much the same kind of film as the first one, but they they still want the same score of music and they they keep that suspense and attention going. And I really, really like number two. And I, I mean, Jaws takes out a helicopter and <laughs> that lands on the sea. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. It really is. And the kids all together on the catamarans and he goes through the, the, the material of the catamaran and takes one of the kids out. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I love it. I love the fact that all the kids are there and one by one, it's like a horror film. They, they get do picked get picked off, off. Yeah. yeah, and they get eaten in front of all the other kids, and which adds to the the horror and the tension of the kids thinking, "Shit, that could be me next." I've seen what it's going to do. So number two, I, I really do enjoy. I, I might go and watch number two uh, in a couple of weeks. Number three was basically for three D purposes, which they concentrated on, and it's set in Sea World, isn't it? Yeah, and. Uh, that's shit, and the fourth one from Michael Caine. Um, I mean, that's just embarrassing. It shouldn't have the Jaws name attached to it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of that, they get worse as they go along, don't they? Two's, two's yeah. obviously the best sequel. Three, yeah, and then number four, it gets to, it gets ridiculous. The shark follows them. Um, I've, I've got to agree with what Stu's saying. I think 100%. You know, two's two's a good one. And then all the others just kind of go down here. I think when I was younger, I, I enjoyed watching three. And that's the one in the theme park or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, in SeaWorld, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, it was just, I don't know, it just seemed, it was probably like an 80s type of film movie and it was quite good fun. But now when you watch it and you just see how, and going back to how fake, you know, when they got the full-on shots of the shark kind of coming towards the screen, I think when they're an underwater thing, um, and it just looks so fake. Yeah, they're in the underwater tunnel walking through, aren't they? And you see yeah. the shark... He breaks the glass and, underwater yeah, tunnel, and but all, it's all, shocking. And, and all the dimensions are just so wrong. In one scene, he's like about like 100 foot long, and then in another scene, he's like 10 feet long, and you just think, what the hell is going on? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was shit. And then and the Michael Caine one, I agree, it was just a joke. It was just Michael Caine taking the piss, really, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah. I said, is, is there I another one that. after that? Is there, did you say there's another? Th- no, like no, Jaws but 3D it wouldn't. Or something? No, I think I meant no. There's not. You've got Jaws two, Jaws three D, and then Jaws four or Jaws the Revenge. But it, I, I don't want this to ever happen. But it really wouldn't surprise me. I think I mentioned it two ages ago that we wake up one morning and we get the news that Jaws is being remade or, or there's some kind of sequel. It wouldn't surprise me. Not that yeah. I want it to happen. No, I wouldn't see if it was. I mean, you've got. It's not the same now. I mean. With um, which I actually watched the other day, just for entertainment purposes, of um, Mega Shark against Mecha Shark. I actually sat and watched that. Uh, <laughs> it was it, it was unbelievable. It was so pony and shit. But it, they just could not remake Jaws. It just it wouldn't have the same tension. People know about sharks now, was where they didn't know as much about sharks before, and. You'd have to make it. They'd probably try and make it really gross and ultra violent and bloodthirsty to to keep people interested and entertained. And it just it wouldn't have that same suspense. It wouldn't have the same wow that it had back then. 
and it, it'd just be a bloody disaster. But they're remaking everything now, so it really wouldn't surprise me. No. Well, there you go. Would you, would you say there's any other shark films that have been made that are, are on that are on par or anything? Because there's been loads of that. You know, the one that comes to mind is Deep Blue. Deep and I thought that was a bit of a joke. I, it was. I, I it was, but I I still felt there were moments in that that were very good. Some of the scenes. It was a, it was a, it was a film that wasn't very good overall. But there's three or four re- I thought I felt really solid scenes that for me still scared me a tiny bit. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a good film overall though, was it? No, I mean it's shocking. You've I mean looking, you've got Sharknado, Avalanche Shark, Sharknado Shark, Shark Bait, Dark Tide. Deep Blue Sea, Cruel Sharks, and you've got the Jaws, Megalodon. You've got Open Water as well, where they get attacked by sharks. And you, so, I mean, this Shark Attack 1, 2, Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. I mean, they've got loads of films, and it's just none of these would compare. I could, I could probably watch all of them, and I wouldn't want to put myself through that much pain. But and in the end, they wouldn't come back a patch on... Um, on Jaws, even Deep Blue Sea, that was um, Samuel Jackson one, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the scene where he gets killed was good, I thought. But that's yeah, the scene where he gets killed. Good. But that's nineteen ninety nine, so obviously the special effects had, had advanced a lot then. But still, the, they don't catch the the raw effects no. that you get with Jaws, and I think that's part of the appeal to it as well. Well, there we go. Um, so, yeah. so. Good film, but we're giving it a thumbs up. Apart yeah. from apart from uh, the uh, uh, Graham, um, if you do agree with Graham, obviously you can catch us on Twitter at the Film Real Cast or on Facebook at the you Film say Real Cast. But before you give an email out, if you either do agree with Graham or disagree, or you want to hire Graham for his services, you can yeah, use, exactly. Uh, if you have a fridge or, or any other kitchen appliance that you need moving around the M25 area, um, then we're the Film Real Cast at Gmail dot com. And as I say, at the film real cast, and uh, we're on Facebook as well. You let us know. I mean, Graham may have bought a van by now where he can drive white goods back and forth. So he, he won't need to though. He'll just he'll just uh, put it on his shoulder, wouldn't he, and walk? Um, Part of the sports skill scenario, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the next film that we're going to do, which I'm really looking forward to, or which I know Graham will not look forward to, is um, 2009's Zombieland with Woody Harrelson and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Emma Stone as well. And Emma Stone, how can you think of a lovely Emma Stone, yeah. So, yeah, that's the film we're going to be doing next week. Well, Nim, then. first impressions you've heard, what do you think? I've Have you seen Zombieland? No, never heard of it, mate. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, is it a horror film or is it a piss-take horror film? Think? It's a, a comedy horror, it's a real piss-take. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I, won't just, I won't say anything about it, it just, I hope you enjoy it, mate. Cool. Graham, have you seen it? Sorry, James. <laughs> no, 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 Greg. Um, you like that? It's quick, wasn't it? No, well, not really. It wasn't quick enough. Um, I, 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 I liked it. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to watching it again. It's probably it came out in 2000. I think I bought it when it um, when it came out on DVD or um, at the time. Uh, I didn't watch the cinema. And I haven't seen it since, so I've seen it. Well, I think the once, and it'll be interesting, obviously, to look back with with, with that with that critical critical eye. I remember Woody Harrelson being uh, quite amusing in it as well. So I am looking, I am looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I've seen it maybe twice, once in um, since two thousand and nine. So it'd be really good to revisit it. Whose choice is this one? Jeez, 
Jeez, okay, cool. cool. I next watch up, two strange films, mate, you know me. <laughs> next up, after, after that, it may or may not be Graham's choice. So there you go. I mean, we'll, we'll, so... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> based on that, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm saying goodbye. And it's now nearly, I think we're recording, it's now nearly, nearly 11 o'clock. It's nearly bedtime. Excellent stuff. It's been great, guys. Thank you. Excellent. Good night, guys. <laughs> we love you, Nim. You take it easy.